All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything Marvel. Marvelites, welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 277. Woo! Yeah, it's full of woos. That was to help you adjust the sound level. Thank you. I You're appreciate welcome. it. Even though we were doing it before yeah. we recorded. Yep. Yep. That's how we roll okay. here. On the fly, as we go. <sighs> On the fly, as we go. DIY. Do it yourself. Yep. Just, you know. Yeah. Fly, we just Smack just, it up, flip it, rub it down. Flip it and reverse it. You were supposed to say, oh no. Oh no. Smack it up, flip it, rub it down. Oh, no. What's that from? Anyway, All let's right. continue Anyways. on. <laughs> ben, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I'm sorry. I do it's that okay. Some, I do that sometimes. Yep, yep, I let yep. you down. It's all right. Uh, so if you're just joining us, This Week in Marvel is the official podcast of all news, new releases, dated 90s musical references, yes. and so much more. Uh, 90s, I should have gotten it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to talk about all the new comics out this week. Uh, as is our newish format, we've got three books apiece mm-hmm. for us to really get in depth on. Plus, we've One got event book apiece. Yeah, so there's two event books out this week. So we're going to talk about uh, eight books a little bit more in depth, and then we're going to get to the rest of the awesome comics a little bit more quick hitty. Quick hits. Let you know who made them. Uh, give you a quick bit to you know dive in if you haven't read the books, but hopefully you'll check them out. Yep. Um, then we'll talk about all the collections on sale, all the stuff that's out on digital. Uh, we'll get to news. Mm-hmm. We've got tons of questions and comments from you guys. We do. Uh, we also, special this week, you guys have heard about Secret Empire. So it's like a news investigative reporting special. Ben's going to put on a hat. I'm going to put on a hat. I'm going to put on some glasses. I'm going to go do the do 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 Yep. We've got none other than Tom Brevoort, editor of Secret Empire, and Nick Spencer, writer of Secret Empire, will be joining us via the – we need to name our phone line something. The radio shows always have them sponsored by stuff. Like I, I listen to ESPN in the morning. They have like the Pennzoil, the Pennzoil Performance Hotline. You know what? I'm going to give it to the Loot Crate. Yeah. The Loot Line. The, the Loot, loot line. line. Perfect. Yeah, because so. our friends at Loot Crate, which I don't think they're sponsoring this episode according to That's our okay. sheet. But you know what? Still we love, love them. them. Still love them I've so got much. a Loot Crate box at my desk, and it's terrific. They send me socks every month. Their socks are great. Their socks are fantastic. They're among my favorite socks. They're comfortable, and they're cool. Yeah. Look, they didn't even pay for this. Yeah. Think about that. So there you go. Uh, we'll be talking to Nick and Tom on the Loot Line shortly. Yeah. But until then, we got some comics to talk about. We sure do. I'll kick us off. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about Daredevil number 17, written by Charles Soule, beautifully illustrated by Ron Garney, beautifully colored by Matt Mila. And this is a long-awaited issue, because since Daredevil has been back, since this new volume started, and we've had him back in New York, district attorney, don't know where Kirsten McDuffie is, don't know why his secret identity is secret again. Um, so we've been wondering all the answers to those questions. So Charles Soule takes us back to the previous volume of Daredevil where he was in San Francisco where he had no secret identity where he wore that awesome red suit that awesome red suit so like cool. like 
slightly, like just under 70 stereotypical exaggerated pimp outfit. It's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful suit, red and black. Um, and when we say suit, we don't mean like a costume. We mean like a three-piece suit. Suit. Or there might be more than three pieces. No, it's three pieces. Yeah, yeah. Three-piece suit. Um, Which is weird, if you ask me. I, I do ask you. Why? Because... You know, for the full ensemble mm-hmm. for a suit, you have the jacket. Yeah. For a three-piece, you have the vest. Yep. You have the pantaloons. Yes. But the suit itself is not complete without the shirt, oh. the tie, tie, nice socks. Yep. Maybe a garter. Good you know, even a man nice. wears a nice garter. I was not aware of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're, you know, not a full, like, you up, a here, right up now? here garter, but like a leg you garter. You're wearing a garter right now. Yes, okay. always. It's Tuesday. <laughs> it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Uh, and a nice pair of shoes. Yeah, it's you true. You know, the ensemble is the full suit. So that's so what you're saying is three-piece suit is really an inaccurate description. Right. As I am a trained suitologist, yes. I, I know for these that. things. Yes. All right. Very well. I should note that also the framing sequence for this issue is that we met uh, this priest who Matt is now confiding in. I think we met him last issue. Yeah, this is the the, the priest who's a fu- yeah. also a fighter. Yeah, the badass priest. He's great. <laughs> so Matt's in confessional confessing the story of how his secret identity became secret again. Uh, we really go through the struggles. Number one, an interesting point by Matt, and we get lots of Kirsten McDuffie in this issue, which makes me really happy because I miss her as a supporting character. She's so great. But Matt talks about how he's concerned about losing the daredevil part of his life because he was able or no not the daredevil part of his life the practicing law part of his life but because he's daredevil publicly he can't really practice law anymore it's unfair it's an ethical violation and he says to kirsten how you know all the other superheroes have like an outlet for something else in their life iron man has his companies uh black widow has shield or did have shield uh at the time of this story Hulk has his research. I love that. They show a big, like, angry-looking Hulk face, and they go, Hulk has his research. Love Banner Hulk as a researcher. researcher. But then he notes that, like, guys who don't have an outlet outside of just trying to do good and trying to dispense justice, that's that's down Punisher Alley is where you're headed there. So he's very Take me down to Punisher Alley. <laughs> and no sooner does he express these concerns oh. than Typhoid Mary, crazy, shows up in their bedroom, uh, all typhoid married out. Kinky and ready for a three-way. And this is just like two pages, but she burns down their house. Uh, they defeat her off-panel, which I kind of liked. Yeah. It was, it was a neat, like, you know, this is not the main part of the story. The point is, now your secret identity is out there. You have to deal with the consequences. They head back to New York, Matt and Kirsten, uh, basically just to kind of detox from the fact that their house just got burned down and hopefully come up with some sort of plan on what they're going to do. Matt gets back in the classic red outfit. Kirsten is great. He says so many times in this issue, he goes, I love that woman so much. And um, she's just awesome. She immediately is just like, yep, you know, go do your Daredevil thing. Get out there. Beautiful Ron Garney splash page of Daredevil in his classic red suit over the city. Uh, He goes and he tries to foil a crime. And when he does... The, the criminals, including Tombstone, press charges against him for assault. And Matt tries to reason with the, the DA. He says, like, why can't, I, why can't I sue them? Why can't I do this? And they're just like, look, you're, you're a private citizen who assaulted five people. We know who you are, and this just isn't going to work. So you see Matt just falling further and further into this state of 
depression, desperation. He goes to a bunch of people and tries to get his secret identity put back in the bottle. I particularly like the Emma Frost and Damon Hellstrom ones. Yeah. I love the Damon Hellstrom Mephisto line. Uh, it's the, the book is takes nice little bits of wit in amidst all the emotions. Yeah, I also love the way Ron Garney mm. draws and the way Ron uh, Ron Garney, who's it, Matt Mela on yeah, colors? Matt Mela on colors. Um, they portray... Uh, um, what's his face? Um, Damon Hellstrom. Because he's just like shaded all in black. All black. But his pentagram and his hair are aflame and yep. they're bright. And it's just, it's a really cool contrastory way to set that scene. It's gorgeous. And then uh, they go back to San Francisco. And on the creepy, 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 creepy last page, the purple children show up. Yeah. And that's where they're leaving us this month. But just a great way to start answering this question of what happened with Daredevil's secret identity. I feel like this is going to be a satisfying story. The art is great, um, and the writing is top-notch. And I was just happy to see Kristen McDuffie again. Hell yeah. So points for that. Two points. All right, on to Deadpool number 27. Uh, this is written by Jerry Duggan, art by Sean Izaxi and Salva Espin, colors by Veronica Gandini. Uh, so, all right, we've dealt with all kinds of crazy stuff in Deadpool over so the last much. couple of months. And now this one is... A Deadpool Captain America team-up issue. Yay! Uh, so it opens up with three dudes in Captain America outfits. Captain America cosplay. Uh, kind of. Uh, one is this, like, electric dude. One's a super tough, like, American Gladiators-looking mofo. Is that the, the, like, the one who's really thick? Yeah, he's like he's super. not as super tough as we think, though. That's as right. we learn later in the yeah, issue. but he's super swole. Don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> and there's another one with this crazy headgear on, right? Mm -hmm. And then we see we open, we see Phil uh, Coulson is on the scene. He's ready to take them down. He gets a call from Captain America. Uh, and for those of you who have not been reading comics, uh, <laughs> Steve Rogers is Hydra. Yeah. He's deep Hydra. Deep Hydra guy. Um, so we find that, you, we know that, we get a little bit of insight in here, and I've I got to say this is, I'm hoping, and we need to ask Jerry, if there's a scene in here where Captain America is like, you know, posing and like doing his exercise, his, mm -hmm. his little bit of like DDP yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, Captain America, huge fan of DDP yoga. Uh, really helped him out. Yeah. He, I think he said he would not be able to maintain the shape he's in if not for DDP yoga. It's great. It's changed so many lives. Yeah. Um, but the, the scene here reminds me so much of uh, Die Hard 2 mm. in the beginning where he's like the dude is naked in the uh, in the hotel room I'm not, I'm not exercising. Gonna, I don't want to tell you I've never seen Die Hard 2 because you're so angry well, at me already. What is even happening? I don't know. I've seen Die Hard. Well, great. Yeah. Die Hard 1 is better than Die Hard 2. Right. But Die Hard 2 is still better than so many other movies. I got uh, our assistant, assistant or associate editor, Christine. Assistant. Assistant editor, Christine. I got her watching Rocky movies. Okay. Which she's never okay. watched before. All right. So, you know, I'm, I'm you're, you're changing, getting changing the world one sure. person at a time. Sure. Um, but, you know, we get that great scene. I, I hope beyond hope that Jerry did that just for me. Yeah, um, I think so. But, I think it's a safe bet. Uh, we go in and see that Steve Rogers has actually asked Deadpool to help him out here, you know, because, you know, they're pals. And, yeah. And, and he wants Deadpool on his side. Deadpool's his new not-so-secret weapon. Yes. Uh, and there's just... I feel like Jerry was like crushing it with the Deadpoolisms in this issue. It was yeah. really fun. Uh, Deadpool and Phil Coulson have a lot of back and forth. Well, you know what this issue is that we haven't seen in a little while, and it's one of the more fun things you get to do with Deadpool. We've seen Deadpool. He has such a great supporting cast that 
they've set up for him that we don't see him playing off the Marvel Universe as much in this title because he's really been contained to, you know, he's got Preston, he's got Coulson, he's got Adsit, he's got all the, he's got Shikla, he's got all these characters who are kind of within, his, they're used to him. Yeah. So seeing him bump up against, um, like, Captain America and some of these other characters is it's almost like a rare treat. I mean, we get to see it in Uncanny Avengers, but it's, it's special here, and Jerry does a great job with it. Yeah. Um, what we find out is that these three dudes in the Captain America outfits, they've got these cool science names, Volta, Faraday, and um, uh, there's one, Newton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've got these names based on you know famous scientists, and they've got these cool powers, and they have come from the future, mm-hmm. which is a big, like, bang, 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 think about that. And uh, as we know, Steve Rogers has a lot of plans in motion. Mm-hmm. And these guys seemingly come from the future where Steve's plans have come to fruition. Yeah. And they are trying to come back in time to stop Steve Rogers. But unfortunately, they weren't really expecting Deadpool to be there. And Deadpool is just kind of this agent wild of chaos. Card. He's a wild card. He's a wild card. He's, uh, you know, he's going to let loose and, and go crazy. And he throws a big monkey wrench into their plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's violence enacted. There's lots of fun stuff. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to some big stuff that happens with Steve Rogers, Captain America, with these characters uh, that Phil Coulson sees – yeah. And this seems like a really big moment for just the entire – like if it, it felt like a huge Marvel Universe moment. Well, there's something – I know Crystal Lando has been talking to me. Crystal Lando from PR has been talking to me about um, kind of the issues that are really important for Secret Empire. Yeah. And he tagged this as one of those. He said this Deadpool issue is key for Secret Empire. Yeah. It, one – it's a great friggin' comic. It's yep. really fun. Awesome. It's great Deadpool. I love seeing Phil Coulson like just in there in the mix with Captain America with Deadpool. It furthers this Deadpool Captain America relationship, which is great. We've loved for years. Absolutely. Um, the Wolverine Deadpool Captain America. That was the best. Like the, those stories at the beginning of Jerry's run with Brian Posehn, and like those were incredible. Those mm-hmm. still. Fantastic and the bad stuff. and the ugly. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. So good. Um, and seeing the, the Cap and Deadpool stuff here, really great. But ultimately, it's the Phil Coulson part of this, yeah. which is, is really, it feels big. And I didn't even realize that about what Chris has said. So that's great. If you are excited about Secret Empire, which I think you will be, and hopefully by the end of this episode, you will even be even more so. More so yeah. um, I definitely suggest you check out Deadpool 27. Yeah. Cool. Doctor Strange, number 17, written by Jason Aaron. The art in this issue is by Fraser Irving. And we, let's be honest, we both picked this one. Yeah, we like, both picked I this went, one. Oh, yeah. Fraser Irving, you could just, it could, I don't, he could draw anything and I'd be like, yep, pick of the week. But him drawing Doctor Strange oh is like next level. Next level. Next level. Um, and Jason Aaron, of course, just writing the hell out of this yes. book. So we start out with two. Um, demon races that are battling each other. It almost sounded like you said demon racists. They might be demon. I don't know. I don't know their methodology. Um, I don't know their ideology. And Doctor Strange. I like Jason's Doctor Strange. He's a little more of a sarcastic. A little more. He even says he's a little more quippy 
Um, he says, I may not be Spider-Man, but I like a good witty quip as much as the next costume jerk, which is great. <laughs> kind of puts him in another thing. But he takes these two warring races, and basically they're going to cause collateral damage. So he points them both at him. He becomes their common enemy. And then he pieces out, goes back into his house. We find out that's in his living room. He just left these guys in his living room. Uh, he's got Zelma working to find Wong, who has been... As, as Strange puts it, worse than kidnapped by Mr. Misery, yeah, the uh, villain that's given him so much trouble. So Mr. Misery, if you're not mm-hmm. fully aware, if you've not been reading Doctor Strange or what have you, Mr. Misery is the sum total of all the pain, suffering, and the repercussions of Doctor Strange's magic use right. throughout his life. Because you use magic, you have to pay a price. There is a cost. Rather than paying said cost, Doctor Strange has basically been putting it all on this like, I don't even. I was I was gonna say this poor creature, but I mean, it's pretty he, vicious. It seemed like he just made it, it. It like it's like the way I picture it in my head is: Have you seen the Harry's Potter? Yes. Okay. All of them. So the when they take the wand and they put it to their head and they pull out the little sliver mm, of memory yeah, thing, yeah, 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 yeah. I picture it so, kind of like that. And he kept pulling it out instead of dropping it into the bucket. Right. He just put it in a, like a dungeon. Yeah. And it just kept and let like, it become sentient. Yeah, and it, it it sort of, you know, congealed. Yeah, and then congealed's a good word for this. You know, like like a like a strong mold or fungus Ooh. just. Yeah. Popped. So Mr. Misery is just this awful being of a million eyes and nasty <laughs> face and a bunch of teeth and pure hatred and pure hatred. Doctor Strange uh, is trying to track him down because he has stolen Wong. Can we talk uh, about this panel before you go forward? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to talk about this okay. panel. Uh, the all right magic balls. What have we got? Panel, like this is just like oh cool. Yeah, it's it's, it's Jason Aaron with big ideas. It's Jason Aaron throwing out five potential subplots that could or could not go somewhere. Like we could easily see whole story arcs devoted to the Crystal Warrior activity detected in Weird World or the Darkhold being opened, which happened in Carnage. No, right? So part of this stuff is like things that have happened. Uh-huh. And things that maybe happen like, or that we haven't seen yet. Because, like, yeah, the Darkhold being open in, in Carnage. Yep. Crystal Warrior spotted in Weird World. Weird World. We have seen that yep. in, in the Weird World story. What else is on there? Uh, high level of witchcraft readings on Wondergore Mountain. Scarlet Witch. Sure. Um, unknown disturbance in the Nexus of All Realities, which we get to in this very issue. And then alert, the man Gog is coming. And that, That's like, the best one. That is my favorite. Yeah. If you but, don't know the man Gog, get up to it's speed. It's kind of cool in that... Doctor Strange has limited magic. It's it's just Doctor Strange in the past. I think the thing we levied against the character often is too powerful, comes in, solves every problem. He can no longer do that. He doesn't have enough magic to do it. Um, he has to use trinkets. He has to use little pieces of magic. So where there are these five major situations, he's basically ignoring like four of them and being like, I hope that works out yeah. because I don't have enough magic to go and deal with these. In the past, he would have just been like, all right, Boom, 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 bop, bop, boom. Yeah. And dealt with all of them, but he can't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, so the it's thing, a whole new dimension. The other thing, though, is there are – there's little bits and pieces where we can see that magic is coming back. Yes. It's, it's like if a forest has, you know, been burned down, well, now, you know, time has – time is moving on and the nutrients are there. Yeah. It, it needs to f- come back to life. And right. it's it's doing it. It's just – it's like a natural process. And also, I mean, think of that forest. If you were going like picking shrubs every few minutes because you needed to use them for yeah. your magic, 
you know, it's it's going to be slow coming back. So he's still being very cautious with the magic using. What he's not cautious with is this rad motorcycle <laughs> that he rides. Rolling in a Harley. I love that. I love uh, I love Dr. James on the motorcycle. Then we get to see what's going on with Wong and Mr. Misery. Mr. Misery is kind of like in this the grossest possible way is like living inside Wong <sighs> and trying to get all these secrets and the plan he comes up with for how he's going to hurt Doctor Strange is horrible. Yeah. Um, we go to the bar with no doors um, and we have Strange parks his motorcycle goes in and talks with Doctor Voodoo, Shaman, uh, Scarlet Witch, of course Count Chaos uh, who's the who's the Siberian Sorcerer Supreme. Can we can we celebrate the fact that in one week we have uh, a scene in the bar with no doors mm-hmm. and another scene in the bar with no name? Absolutely. Star-Lord, all about the bar with no name. So good. Bar with no doors is great, though. Uh, but Man-Thing shows up, and boy, can Fraser <laughs> Irving draw <laughs> so good. Man-Thing. Holy crap. Is he? I mean, he must have drawn him before at some point. It's just I, don't, I mean, Fraser... Fraser Irving has not had a ton of work at Marvel. That's true. You know, it's, it's probably... 20 issues or less That's true. over overall which yeah. one is ludicrous mm-hmm. two is I'm so happy every time I see him do work here so mm-hmm. I don't know I do like the Doctor Strange uh, when when Man-Thing points to him and touches him and you know it burns his head because <laughs> all the no fear burn at the touch of the Man-Thing yeah. and I love that he says don't say it nobody better say it and then someone says it in Spanish <laughs> yep. and he goes oh, yes I'm afraid I could have told you that you didn't have to whatever <laughs> so Gets spirited off to the nexus of all realities, which a man thing is the guardian of. And here is Reich 666, which is a bunch of Nazi vampires. Uh, but they're Nazi ninja vampires, Nazi right? Nazi ninja vampires. Like, this is like a 12-year-old boy's, like, f- m- enemy made come yep. to life. It's true. so great. It's true. Jason Aaron's great at this stuff. Yeah. Um, well, Strange and Man-Thing are dealing with that. We see that Mr. Misery is going to Dr. Strange's old patient's. From before he was Sorcerer Supreme, from when he was still just, you know, Surgeon Supreme. And uh, I'm not going to spoil what he does to them, but it's super gross and awful. Doctor Strange helps Man-Thing defeat the uh, Nazi zombie ninja. No, Nazi. Ninja vampires. Nazi Nazi ninja vampires. Yeah. A lot to remember. A lot to pack in there. Uh, And the reward he gets is also super gross. There's a lot of super gross stuff here. Uh, Basically, Man-Thing gives him some algae. And uh, it comes in handy later. And then Doctor Strange gets a read on what's been happening to the people that Mr. Misery has been visiting. And that's where it just, like, takes a turn. It's just like, oh, this is serious. Like, it's been – we've gotten to kind of enjoy Doctor Strange for this issue. He's been quippy and witty and, you know, dealing with stuff kind of on the fly. But now he's got a very serious issue, and he needs a very serious bit of backup to help him out. Yeah. Man, that was so good. Really, really that good book issue. That book is fantastic. Uh, and congratulations to uh, J- one of Jason Aaron's biggest fans, Bray Wyatt. Oh, yeah. On winning uh, the WWE Championship. Very cool. What did you think about that? Uh, I th- was 90% sure that was going to happen. Yeah, me too. And I was very happy for it. I was happy for it. Part of me wishes it would have been like his first championship would have been in a one-on-one environment. Sure, but he looked so excited after winning yeah. that I was like, whatever. And it's okay. about damn time, and it's so good. Yeah. And like to go from a dude named Husky Harris, mm-hmm. like a character named Husky Harris, to you know, world the, champion, the world champion. It's great. Yeah, that's our wrestling talk. Don't there we go. We're done. Don't have to we're complain done. anymore. Don't worry we're about good. It. We're good. You can hear more next week. 
Uh, all right, next book is Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat mm, number 15, mm, mm, mm. Uh, written by Kate Leth, art by Brittany L. Williams and Rochelle Rosenberg. And, man, we love this book so much. So good. Uh, so this opens, so after all the craziness where uh, Patsy and the crew had to deal with Black Cat the last couple of issues, now they're finally celebrating happy, they're, they're celebrating Valentine's-mas. New Be- Valentine's-mas. New valentines So they they... Patsy didn't have a chance to celebrate Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's Day, anything. So they're pulling it all together. Pushing it all into one great holiday. Yeah, one big old party. Um, unfortunately, Patsy's feeling a little bit under the weather. Uh, so part of why I love this issue in particular and why I love this series are the incredible visual gags. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think Brittany Williams is incredible mm-hmm. and i'm sure I kate agree. you know kate's script and story has uh, you know a ton to do with directing a lot of it but the way that britney like pulls these things off she draws like the way it's a simple thing even like the way she draws jubilee where she always has her at these tiny little fangs yep. Yep. you know that kind of fun stuff See attention to detail yeah or the way she draws patsy sneezing and so what we find out is patsy's sick and her sneezing isn't so isn't just like a simple oh she's sneezing no. and she's runny nose when she sneezes it's like magic blasts yeah it alters reality she yeah that she, it alters reality throughout the course of the issue we get a hint of what probably has caused this um, and you'll I won't spoil that I want you guys to read it but through this we get to see her turn um, uh, she breaks a glass to begin with okay that's one thing but then well, she, she turns, lights a glass on fire lights a glass on Doesn't fire just break it. Um, she ends up turning uh, characters into like changes their their outfits in the Luke Cage and Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it gets even crazier. We she somehow summons America Chavez. Uh, she summons a cat, yeah. a, a tiger, not just any cat, yeah. a giant tiger cat. I think made of nightmares. Yes, uh, you mean Mr. Sniffles. Mr. Sniffles, yes, indeed. Mr. Sniffles, and like the Mr. Sniffles storyline in this is incredible. It's Obviously, great. I love yeah, just cats. Itself. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a a thing that happens to Jubilee in this. Which uh, is it's incredible. So it's fantastic. It's like little things happening because of Patsy's, you know, all reality altering sneezes. To talk to Kate Leth and just be like, where did you get this idea? Where did you get all these ideas? Please. Because I would never think to do any of it. It's so great. It's so fun. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's pure fun comics mm-hmm. uh, that I just absolutely love. We get, like... From the Mr. Oh, Sniffle stuff to the creepy weird Literally stuff. Literally creeped me out. I yeah. was I was reading that and I was kind of like, I have yeah. the heebie-jeebies, man. I know. Uh, it's it's just a damn fun, damn fine issue. Yeah. Uh, if you're not reading Patsy Walker, aka Hellcat, please do uh, check it out on Marvel Unlimited. There's tons of issues out yeah, there now. Yeah, it's a quirky book to be sure, but it's really just enjoyable. Yeah. Bottom line, yep, it's yep, just yep. a fun time. All right, Ultimate Squared, number four, written by Mr. Al Ewing, art by Mr. Travel Foreman. Uh, We open on, first of all, Galactus, the Lifebringer, giving kind of a recap of what's happened so far. And you really, this is a a comic you really need the recap page for because it is deep, man. We've got this new character called Logos, who's the combination of chaos and order. And I just love how big this idea is. And Logos goes and judges the remaining celestials now if you were reading secret wars 
The Beyonders tried to wipe out the Celestials, but there's a few Celestials left, and I love how Travel Foreman draws them. Oh my god. They just look like crazy Transformers, um, like, They're, take it to another level. Screw that. Transformers, not even in the same realm. They right. are Jack Kirby. Yes. Like, beautiful Jack Kirby Fair manifestations. Enough. Yes. All right. Like, forget, forget the Transformers comparison. Yeah, it's like... One of the reasons why we love everything Jack Kirby did is because he was far and away the most imaginative and most creative genius mm-hmm. in creating designs for characters. And Absolutely. you just look at the Celestials and it's just like, oh, yeah, I just love, give up. I love to see the Celestials. Like, where did that come from? It's amazing. Ugh. The Never Queen shows up once Logos um, attacks him. And I think this is her first appearance yeah, outside, outside of Silver yeah. Surfer. So Which that is was so very cool. cool. It's really cool that Al... I mean, Al really embraces the Marvel Universe of it all. So it's like, you know, of course he would bring this character in. So Logos is wreaking havoc. Uh, the Never Queen salvages something from the scene that could help her down the line. She's going to be apparently one of the people opposing Logos. But Logos is just this crazy, out-of-control, super-powerful cosmic being. Yeah, I mean... It's chaos, it's order, and I think he's got a touch of the Living Tribunal. Because the Three Faces and, like, maybe. Judgment. Because they killed the Living Tribunal. It's just, it's these these characters, Chaos and Order, have been around for decades in Marvel continuity, but they only ever show up just to, you know, be part of the big gang that beats up on Thanos or something. The idea that if they would become a threat, they would become a huge major threat is very cool. Yeah. And it's a very innovative idea. Meanwhile, the Ultimates uh, are taking on the Troubleshooters, and this is just great. And I love the unique way that Travel Foreman draws powers and combat but you've got the troublemakers are a bunch of basically they're inspired by new universe characters um if you know the universe you get kind of an extra enjoyment if you don't you don't need just cool characters um so they fight the ultimates i'm gonna put this out there right now though Mm. i would pay cash money for a troubleshooters book even if it was limited or ongoing like just those characters and the way they interact with each other their powers sort of like the powers are really getting me. The really powers and the powers. way they exist. And really, I think kudos to Al because their leader f- it feels so fully realized and yep. interesting of a character in a very short period of time. Yeah. I love what happens to Spectrum um, and oh, the fact man. that she's just in the middle of the fight oh, my immobilized by what happens to her. Um, I I love, yeah, like you said, their leader is really great. Uh, what is it? Jim Tenson. Uh, and they all just have names. Yeah. Not, no, no code names or anything. Yeah. Uh, America Chavez really gets to show off her stuff here. She's she's the un, she's the recognized leader of the team. Now, Hell yeah, she which is. is great. I had a great time yesterday having to. Someone asked me they were going to have a meeting, and the meeting wanted to talk about using America Chavez and something, mm-hmm. and the, this person didn't know anything really about the character. Sure. So I got to spend twenty minutes explaining Same America Chavez, America Chavez is so and awesome. it just made me so excited about That's America so cool. Chavez. That's so cool. Um, one of my favorite parts of the issue is the fight between Blue Marvel and Rod Stow. Yeah. And this is where Travel, <laughs> Travel really gets to cut loose with oh, this interpretation so cool. of what Rod Stow becomes. I like Tenson's uh, going shield to sword, sword to shield. Just cool powers and stuff like that. Uh, and I love this this character with... Um, hold on, i got to flip back again to see the characters. Yeah, like there. the weird tentacles. Yeah, there's and 8 like million characters spe- in this. Using like, science, like psyops technicals. Lieutenant Colonel Dion McQuaid. Uh, it's a solid state emotion. I call it my mood indigo. And believe me, I am in one ugly mood today. And it's just, yeah, like you just, said, just like these psychic tentacles oh, that so neat. emerge. Uh, 
Black Panther gets totally shut down. Like uh, they take which his arm. Rarely see. Yeah, but then his line. It's great. It's like that line better be in a movie yeah. because I want to see Black Panther throw so down. So we'll like just that. say it. As the, his armor gets taken away, and uh, he's he's told the battle is over, um, and Black Panther says the warrior does not live in the weapons, Lieutenant. And I say, let the battle begin. Yeah. Let the battle begin. And then the ending where we have logos back again with Galactus. Oh. Heartbreaking ending, one that I knew for months was coming. Yep, me too. Uh, and I kind of every issue, I was like, "Is this going to be it? Yep. Is this going to be it? Is this going to be it?" And when it finally happened, it really <sighs> damaged me emotionally. I uh, also want to give credit to Dan Brown, who is the color artist on this. Yes, the credits are at the end of the issue, so that is why I didn't get to that sooner. But he did a great job as well. Yeah, and it's man, that is a beautiful comic book. Absolutely, really, really great. All right, on to uh, my last of my three, which is Unbelievable Gwenpool oh, number so twelve. Good. I read this this morning. Yeah, written by Christopher Hastings, art by. Gurihiru, um, and it is so great. It opens up. So first up, um, you know, Gwenpool, she's been in a little bit of a funk since she, yeah. you know, the, her whole mercenary MODOK thing yep, she went fell on that apart. Va- that vampire adventure last issue. Which, have I just read that right before I read okay. this. And so, like, that was such a fun issue. So fun. So fun. Yeah. I don't, you guys have to read Gwenpool. It is such a great book. Uh, You're doing a good job kind of taking us through the fun verse. I love the fun comics. I got the, like, emotionally devastating, like, Daredevil (laughs) and Doctor Strange. But you got it. You got it. Patsy Walker and Gwenpool taken care of. Yeah. Uh, But so Gwen, she opens up, the the book opens up. She's in like a prison in this dungeon in this crazy realm. And she's like trying to figure out how she got there. Uh, We get this cool little flashback of her running into, um, what's his name? Mega Tony, one of the members of her crew. Mega Tony. So great. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's super awkward. It's really fun. But she, you know, she figures out, okay, I'm in this scene. What's going on? I need to break out. She runs into Megatoni, who is also in this dungeon, in this prison you know, scene. Uh, and they start going through things. And she realizes, hey, I know what this is. We're, you know, we're in a classic sword and sorcery dungeon Sorry. type of thing. Um, you know, Megatoni's going to be the healer. She's going to be, you know, uh, sort of the muscle. They run into a scene. Um, Bunch of frogs. Yeah, and... and but the best part is she like she's like, wait a minute, I know what's going on. We've got no memories, we're captured, we have no gear, there's a big threat ahead of us. This is the opening level. This yeah. is the beginning of our RPG. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really fun, particularly as someone who plays a lot of RPG video games or like knows a lot about, you know, the role playing, you know, tabletop games. It's it's a hoot. Uh, there's these weird frog people. Uh, they run into, you know, she figures out the solution to it. It's a puzzle, uh, which opens up and she sees, hey, they're not alone. Mm-hmm. They've got um, more characters. It's um, Batrock and the Terrible Eyes. So now you've got, like, her, her crew is, for the most part, together. It's super great. And... Uh, their powers aren't necessarily working. Some no. things are a little funky, but the, there's this great moment where Batrock is like, no one can take my kicks. Yeah. And it's just him <laughs> like just proving that he's awesome. Uh, they go and they figure out, hey, look over there. There's uh, like 
A shopkeeper. A shop. I love. I love who who says it where he goes. Why is your shop in the middle of a dungeon? Megatony. Yeah, because yeah. that makes no sense. But it does make sense in an RPG. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it's great, and he's got all their gear and all the things that they can use to get out of there. Which Gwenpool's like, I know what's going on. This, I got this. This makes sense, and uh, it it's great because, like Gwen has all the knowledge of this comic you know of the comic book world that she's bringing into actually being now in the comic book world Mm -hmm. and she sees right through everything uh it's super fun and she realizes who's behind all this which if you are seeing the the cover cover, of the book probably know we'll probably know um which is great i think this is there's another mention of of him this week i think yeah Great. I don't want to spoil it just in case for some reason you don't know and don't understand the cover. Maybe you got an issue without a cover. Yeah. You uh, never know. You're just diving right in or yeah. you've avoided the cover somehow. Yeah. But it, it's super fun. The 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 four of them uh, gear up. You got them all looking like, you know, classic uh, dungeon crawler characters. It's super fun. They have to fight the weird frogs. They have to, you know, deal with all kinds of traps and different things and then finally we meet uh someone else who is trapped in this dungeon slash maze i can't believe they're not on the cover of the next issue that surprised me yeah it's weird you think that would be something you want to uh key in on yeah totally but i guess editor jordan white screwed this one up yeah take that jordan per usual Mm. uh but so great i really love gwenpool yeah it's really fun and i i when I was reading it this morning, I kind of took a peek at the cover, and I was like, oh, cool, it's issue number 12. Like, this book has gone for a year, and it's still going strong. It just made me really happy, because, you know, it can be so hard to launch new books. Yes, especially with, market. you know, like, a female character who yep. people don't know, um, and it's it's so kind of much quirky fun. quirky creative team. Yeah, a goody hero. Yeah. So great. The art in this issue is wonderful, as always. Mm-hmm. Super high praise for that. All right. Our events books. Uh, do, do, first do, of all, do, do, do. we're gonna yeah, we should have a little intro for that. Was that the Law and Order sound? No, I don't. It was it was almost the Terminator sound. Yeah, kind boom, of. Boom, 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 boom. All right. So going into our our uh, event books, number one, we've got Clone Conspiracy number five. It's the conclusion to this amazing, amazing Spider-Man event. I've loved this so much. Uh, it's just been so many characters thrown at the wall, such big action. And what's happening here is the Jackal is enacting this plan to basically destroy the entire human race. Uh, he's going to use this frequency that makes his clones break down. But the clones, if they're in contact with other people, will spread the infection. And this is what Kane and Spider-Gwen have been trying to prevent. They know that this has happened on many other Earths. Um, and just... just the uh, uh, let me put, give the credits real quick because so we had Dan Slott writing, Jim Chung pencils, inks by John Dell, Jay Lyston, Jim Chung, and colors by Justin Ponzor. Justin Ponzor does a great job on this gatefold of uh, showing it. He just drenches everyone in red, but it's like these people are just becoming zombies. They're wasting away. It really is gross. It gives kind of like a horror resemblance to all this. And like Spider-Man's teaming up with Gwen Stacy, but Captain Stacy, whose like face is melting off, says like, you know, you guys got to protect each other. Go save the world. Uh, We've got Kane fighting Jackal. He finds out who Jackal is and it 
totally messes with his world the same way it messed with all of ours. Spider-Gwen's there. Dr. Octopus is fighting on the side of angels because Anna Maria has been infected, and he's super pissed off. There's an amazing scene between Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy here, uh, maybe my favorite in the book. Gwen Stacy has, I, don't, I never thought I'd say this, but Gwen Stacy has a badass moment. Yeah. And we're not talking like Spider-Gwen. We're talking like, you know, bow in her hair, uh, headband Gwen Stacy. Yeah. She gets she gets a real hero moment, so that's pretty cool. Um, Doc Ock and Spider-Man team up. Silk's in here. Uh, you, oh, the Silk stuff. Silk stuff is great, especially when you read Silk and actually find out. Yeah, the so there, we'll it. get to that uh, you know quickly later, but there's moments in here that are mirrored in Silk, but really, mm-hmm. like, elaborated on within the, Silk. The, especially the Jameson stuff. The, yeah, the Jameson stuff, especially by the end of Silk, it's like... And I like that Spider-Man basically has to trust Dr. Octopus to because he leaves him alone with the Jackal. He doesn't say, like, all right, I'm going to deal with this fight and then go on to do something else. He's just like, Doc Ock, I'm trusting you to deal with the Jackal. And Doc Ock's like, why are you trusting me? He's like, I've been inside your head, remember? So it all ties back to Superior Spider-Man. It's brilliant. Everything Dan Slott does connects. Uh, Anna Maria gets to be the big hero, which is great because she's awesome. She's an awesome character. Uh, and this final showdown with Doc Ock and the Jackal with Doc Ock yelling, melt with me. Oh my God. That was so an great. awesome line. We've still got like the Redwash stuff. Like you said, if you read Silk, you get a lot more J. Jonah Jameson stuff. Um, and then the coda to the whole thing. Number one, a character who we thought might be dead is not. It's a relief because I really like this character. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Oh man, yeah. That, yeah. There's a there's a moment where you are told the character is. You told the character is gone, he and I was like, wait, sacrifice. what? Yeah, I know. He's just hitting his stride. Luckily, he's okay. But it ends with what it started with. This whole story started with um, this guy named Jerry Salteras, who is a Parker Industries employee who got injured, and they used new you to fix him. And it ends with him too, in just this perfect kind of dovetail of the whole thing. And there's going to be a clone conspiracy Omega. Looks like it's going to deal with the Rhino not being too thrilled. Um, and of course, we got to find out what happened to the Jackal and all this other crazy uh, stuff. Yeah. So the, the Rhino stuff is so upsetting. Yeah. Because even, even in small doses, like we see him just in a panel in this issue, and even Spider-Man goes, he's like, I'm not going to go mess with the yeah, Rhino right like now. Like I need help here, yeah. and I need someone I can you know utilize. But no, not him. Not Rhino. And then there's also the moment in the issue. Where uh, with Lizard and his family. Oh yeah, and there's just like really so much, man. So much power. I did. I I, like couldn't even do it justice. Yeah, so good. So damn good. Also damn good. Monsters Unleashed number three, written by Colin Bunn, art by Lanil Francis Hugh, Jerry Jerry Alanguilin, Jerry 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 (laughs) Jerry, Michael Jason Paz and David Curiel. So the end of last issue, we saw our heroes. Smack dab in the middle of two groups of crazy monsters. You've got these new monsters that have been showing up throughout Monsters Unleashed, plus classic monsters like Goom and Gagoom, Fing Fang Foom. Gugam, sorry, what did I say? Gagoom. Yeah. <laughs> Someone please make a monster named Gagoom. I'm sure there's a Gagoom. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, but you've got all this, and so the heroes are bracing to like figure out what to do, and then the classic monsters just go right at it. They go and start fighting the the big Leviathan. They are monsters. vicious. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're it's taking prisoners, man. And it's great because they they still have the their like world conquering vibes to them, mm-hmm. but they they know that they're part of something else right here. Right. Uh, but you get this just 
pages and pages of awesome fighting. You've got, you know, Pildor the Plunderer Ugh. with his magma ray. Uh, you have a Goom and Gugam uh, just being awesome. We get to see more of that later. We'll yep. talk about that in a bit. Uh, beautiful double-page spreads of just monster-on-monster monster action. It's mm. everything I hope for. Monster-on-monster monster violence Yeah, is, is what you're getting here. Dude, also, they like... tear the bad guy monsters apart. And yeah. It is Great. We've got Monsters Unleashed. So visceral, viscerally fulfilling. In like a month and change, there's a new King Kong movie mm-hmm. with our our very favorites, Tom Hiddleston mm. and uh, Brie Larson. Yep. Uh, then there's that Colossal movie coming, which... I don't know what that is. Oh, it's, a, it's about a woman who can inadvertently somehow control a giant monster in oh, Korea. Man. That and sounds amazing. And when she makes a move, it makes a move. Oh. That's going to be great. It's a good year for monsters. For monsters. That's what yeah, I'm yeah, saying. Monsters are okay? doing well in 2017. Yeah. Uh, but this big fight, like, everybody's throwing down. It's it's awesome. And the classic monsters win. Yep. It's, it's Decisively. Yeah. They crush. Um, and, you know, they're like... Hey, the 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 heroes are like, um, cool. Maybe we can like chill and talk about things. What's going on? And Fin Fang Foo as the mouthpiece for yeah, all the monsters. Great which mouthpiece. Makes Good me choice. happy. Yeah. Uh, he's like, we don't uh, we don't need your gratitude. We didn't we did not fight this battle on your behalf. And then they're just like, peace. And yep. they're out. Monsters out. Um, it's great. But then there's all kinds of questions. Thankfully, Elsa Bloodstone shows up on the scene. She she's like. Grossed out by old man Logan, which yep. is, I thought was a funny. <laughs> Logan, you look terrible. Yeah, uh, she sort of she starts to talk about. Okay, I've been tracking what's going on for a while. Now we can bring this all together. She takes the the heroes to Parker Industries, where she has Kai Kawade, who is at the center of all of this. Yeah, uh, they she leads the or the heroes leave uh, Kai with Groot and Rocket Raccoon, which. Brings up a great scene. Yeah. This great scene where Groot and Rocket are talking and Rocket is quote unquote translating for Groot. Yeah. And Kai's like, that's not what he said. I understand him. Yeah. I, you know, like Groot is one of the monsters that he thought of, which I thought was a great tie yep. and connection to Groot's original appearance mm-hmm. way back, what is that now, 60 odd years God, ago? Because like um, uh, if you didn't know, well before the movies, well before his really emergence in the Guardians comics, you know, of the last, you know, 12 years or so, mm-hmm. he was a classic Marvel monster from Dimension X or Planet X. Dima- Planet X. Planet X. Uh, it's just super cool. Like, I love how Cullen ties everything together. But through this, we find out how this is happening. So we, we see um, – oh, before we even get to that – Kai summons um, Devil Dinosaur, yes. which brings in Moon Girl, Moon Girl, which is pivotal because yeah. she has figured out something that no one else has figured out because, hey, y'all, she's, she's smarter. The she's the smartest. Yeah. The smartest person on earth. Yeah. Um, she figures out that their language, the Leviathan monsters, these new monsters, she figures out what their deal is. She figures out what's going on. And that ties into Kai's origin. He is an inhuman. Mm. And his power, the summoning of the monsters, that's all connected together. and it, Part of this ancient prophecy yeah, and it, all sorts of stuff that Karnak brings up. Yeah, because Karnak's like, I know everything. Let me hey tell guys. you. guys. All right, my name's Karnak. Yeah, there you go. Um, great Karnak impression, Absolutely. if I do say so myself. Headed to Hollywood. Yep. Um, so it, it's just super cool. All these things sort of tying together. Uh, and as big of a win as the heroes and the classic monsters have had in this issue – the major fight is well ahead of them. So we'll see what happens next issue. 
man, I love this series. It again, it is pure fun, fun. comic books. You were really yeah. Again, with me taking Clone Conspiracy and taking Monsters <laughs> Unleashed, I continue to be the deep emotionally scarred member of our team yep. you're just mr fun hey hey kids um all right let's quick hit some of these other books that came out this week starting with black panther world of wakanda number four written by roxanne gay with consulting by Tanahasi coates pencils by aletha e martinez inks by roberto poggy colors by rochelle rosenberg this continues the origin of the midnight angels we get to see more with ao and Ayeko. And uh, they deal with a new threat after they lose Queen Shuri and they have to deal with a new threat that comes from the personal lives, the very personal life of one of their sisters. So there's a lot of conflict on how to deal with that here. It's awesome. So great. Really intense issue. Uh, Another intense issue is Captain America Sam Wilson number 19 written by Nick Spencer, art by Angel Unzueta. And it's uh, this really revolves around the trial of rage. Uh, Captain America is trying to help rage fight uh he's wrongly accused there's evidence showing he did not video commit the cr- video like, evidence straight video evidence he did not commit the crime but you know what america 2017 this is what we're dealing with if you get pissed off about this story it's because it's torn from real life torn from the headlines also captain america steve rogers number 11 written by nick spencer art by jesus saez uh ink assist by scott Hanna, and then colors by rochelle Rosenberg, we get more of Steve Rogers' past, find out a very crucial moment between him and the professor, Dr. Erskine. Uh, in, the, in the present day, Steve Rogers is trying to make all sorts of things. He's talking to Rick Jones. He's talking to Peter Quill. He's making deals. He's setting up Captain Marvel. Uh, he is attending Jack Flagg's funeral. That's where all this stuff goes down. But man, in the past, something crazy happens, and it's not what you expect at all. Brings another character in this book, who if you look at the cover of the book, is fairly <laughs> obvious. But again, since we can't assume you guys look at covers, let's just say there is a major player in the Hydra of it all that Captain America appeals to and tries to win as an ally. Does he or doesn't he? And great stuff with the new Quasar as well. Yeah. Right. Oh, and with the some villains in Begalia who next issue are going to take Oh, my God. Stage. That was great. I was not expecting that. I was like, oh, that was awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, on to Doctor Strange number one dot MU because screw your numbering system. Yeah, forget your filing. Uh, Doctor Strange number one dot MU written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Julian Lopez, Scott Hanna, and Frank Darmada. Uh, so this one, obviously focuses on Doctor Strange as we talked about earlier. He's definitely still depowered and in the middle of, you know, the crazy big fight, uh there's a moment where Doctor Strange um helps out uh Gugam who is the son of Goom. Goom. Um and he's sort of always he's he's like a scrapper. Yeah. He, you know, living in his it's dad's like shadow. Uh a little bit of scrappy do uh and he he sort of embarrasses Gugam mm-hmm. uh by helping take down this monster. Then we get this amazing scene, very like funny stuff as Gugam wearing uh like basically probably borrowed it from Fedora. the thing, yeah. like the the hat or and Tom the, <laughs> the yes, the hat and the jacket to disguise himself to go find Doctor Strange and, and give it him what for. Me. I did not know that that was Gugam, son of Goom. Uh, it, it goes to find Doctor Strange um, to give him what for, get his revenge, uh, which leads to the this chase as uh, Doctor Strange didn't actually fully defeat this monster. Yeah, he, he just, just teleported him. him away. So they utilize... I, I love that Chip is able to bring Spider-Man into yeah. this because 
We love his Spider-Man. I love his Spider-Man so much. Yeah. It's it's the same. He loves making Spider-Man just look like this sappy fool. Like, yep. that's what he always did in Howard the Duck, and he does a great job of it here, too. Yeah. But it's Doctor Strange and Gugam versus uh, this giant monster in the Canadian, you know, in the Canadian wild. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really fun and it's really great. great little team-up issue. Gamora number three, written by Nicole Perlman, art by Marco Caquetto, colors by Andres Mosa. Gamora is stuck on a planet that's going to blow up any second. It's going to be enveloped by earthquakes and fire and all this terrible stuff. She's looking for the last princess of the Badoon. She is willing to sacrifice her own life to take us down. Unfortunately, she's been captured by a cult, so the first order of business is she needs to escape from the cult. And then the Badoon princess, uh, the Badoon are trying to get her back. They are working with a pirate to try to do so. She believes in this prophecy that she's going to have a green savior. She thinks that savior is Gamora. Doesn't know that Gamora is there to kill her. Uh, We get some great conflict between the two women uh, once they finally kind of locked and they finally realize who each other are and uh there's a big twist at the end that flips all of gamora's motivations it flips uh, her sense of self and it's going to have a huge twist next issue yes um all right on to invincible iron man number four written by brian michael bendis art by stefano caselli and marte gracia uh so riri is in a bad place uh bad place. she's got no armor right now she is Thankfully, back-to-back, ready to fight. She's got Pepper Potts on her side. Pepper Potts. But they're facing a bunch of ninjas with laser swords Mm -hmm. along with Tomo the Techno Golem. Tomo. Introduced in the last Invincible Iron Man series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super fun. Uh, What I dug about this, uh, Pepper Potts gets to, like, tear it up. She's She's awesome, yeah. Which is cool because she's been around superheroes and, and needed to be able to protect herself for years. So she can throw down if she needs to need be great stuff uh riri has to try to find a way to defeat someone who can take away the armor at any point uh it leads to some really fun and interesting stuff and hopefully they get out of this alive yeah let's hope so mighty thor number 16 written by jason aaron art by russell dowderman colors by matthew wilson uh we get the shiar gods here and if you thought odin was a jerk Boy, howdy, are the Shi'ar gods <laughs> ten times worse. Uh, they're just the worst. And they have summoned Thor basically to compete in a challenge of the gods. First, they tear apart Gladiator basically for not you know looking up to them enough. But it was really – it was kind of a commentary on faith and how people can go overboard and zealotry and stuff like that. There's stuff going on with the Congress of Worlds. There's stuff going on with Cull the Serpent. But it comes back to – Shandalar, the Shi'ar throne world, and the first challenge that the Shi'ar gods have for Thor is basically the challenge of natural disasters, which they are going to throw a big natural natural disaster, in this case a tidal wave, and see how many of the innocent people who are about to die pray for them. Or even afterwards, yeah, the, 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 survivors. the survivors will pray to them. So it's super disgusting. They're the um, jerkiest. It's the worst. Thor is awesome. Her typical self. And... Uh, the, whether or not this this has so far been it, it's supposed to be the Shi'ar Asgard war but it's really been the Thor Shi'ar war but the Asgard of it all comes to bear uh, uh, in the final page so great those last two pages really great uh, on to Old Man Logan, number 18, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Andrea Sorrentino, and colors by Marcelo Maiolo. This is, as usual, one of the most gorgeous <laughs> books we put out. Absolutely. Andrea, just incredible 
this is the end of the story where uh, Wolverine and Puck have been fighting the Brood, but we also have Wolverine uh, in the Wasteland world. Finally to, find out why. Yes, we figured out why and how the Wasteland plays into all this. Um, and just there's a number of double-page spreads in here, which would be like the coolest thing to have on your wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great art. Beautiful, awesome story. We find out how Jean Grey and Iceman, Puck, Alpha Flight, everything came together. And by the end, Wolverine's ready to go back. Where? Back to where? You'll have to read. <gasps> Poe Dameron, number 11, written by Charles Soule, art by Phil Noto. It's a lot about Terex and his gang of ranks who are chasing after Poe, who's got C-3PO, uh, BT-8. And yeah, I said it as a question. I meant it as a statement. BT-8 and another droid who has key information. They're trying to get BB-8. back to the New Republic. BB-8. What did you I said say? BT. BT-8? Is BB. Is it BB? BB. Is there a BT-8? A BT... Uh, Phone home? Is one of the dro- the evil droids? Oh, yeah. I'm confusing. Alfred? All right. So at least there was some basis for my foul up. Uh, Poe is trying to figure out who is betraying him, who has been selling off information. Terex is kind of playing two sides where he's working for the First Order, but he's also a crazy space pirate. Um, they're trying to c- prevent Poe from getting back to the New Republic with all the information he can give them on what's going on. And uh, it turns into a space chase. I like that space chase. Space chase. They, uh, they, they go into the hyperdrive. They go back into normal drive. They crash land on a planet. They do all sorts of crazy Star Wars stuff. <laughs> Uh, also, crazy Star Warsy stuff is Punisher number nine. Punisher is the second most Star Warsy book of the week. Not true at all. Not uh, true no Star at Warsness all. here. Written by Becky Cloonan, art by Matt Horak, colors by Frank Martin. Uh, there's very. I'll be honest. There's not a lot of Punisher in this no. issue of Punisher. There's a panel. It's two panels. There two Three pages. Panels. Two pages. Okay. Um, there's him burying someone, and then him. In disguise, oh, yeah, yeah, on yeah. a motorcycle. I forgot which about that part. I love, uh, but it really comes around with like the crazy people that Punisher's been fighting and this new drug, uh, and Agent Ortiz, who's just badass, great character who's been introduced in this in this run so far. Um, but it's it's sadistic, it's weird, it's cool, it's violent, it's really intense. It's it's even though there's not a ton of Punisher in it, it's a fantastic Punisher issue. Absolutely. Silk, number 17, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Irene Strichalski, colors by Ian Herring. This is a clone conspiracy tie-in that we alluded to earlier. You get to see a lot of the stuff that we saw, just bits and pieces of Silk's story, but also what's going on with J. Jonah Jameson and his family, what happens with Spectro, Silk's ex-boyfriend. Irene Strichalski draws the hell out of these, like, decaying clones and really makes them extra terrifying. Uh, What happens to Spectro is really visually terrifying. Silk uh, is learning learning new lessons about how to be a hero from Maddie Franklin, who gets a great, great spread in this book. They get to the fact channel where, oh, my God, just, like, look at these people, like, Ugh, bleeding out so their gross. eyes. It's just so gross. Um, but Silk and the former Spider-Woman, Maddie Franklin, make a sacrifice. Uh, Jonah loses everything. Spider-Man shows up at the end. But there's just sadness and it was like, more emotional wreckage over on this side of the table to be continued. What yeah. more are you going to do? Yeah, to me? What more can happen? And then that's next issue is just silk swinging through the city, being all happy go lucky. Gosh. All right. Uh, next up is Spider-Man number 13. It's part three of Sitting in a Tree. Sitting in a Tree. Uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Sarah Pakelli and Justin Ponsor. And so the framing device here is Miles telling a story to Genki and uh, Gold, Balls. Gold Balls, which I, 
I'm okay with that. Sure. All Use the that time. That's a Fermi device forever. Yeah. Uh, but Miles is telling the story of how he went to this other Earth looking for his dad, hung out with Spider Woman, and all this other stuff. Keep where- in mind, he started this story two issues ago with him making out with Spider Woman. Yeah. And then has just gone completely off course. We haven't actually oh, yeah. seen haven't the seen making that. out yet. We don't know how that happens. Yeah. Uh, but we do know that there's someone in this Earth that he thinks is his dad, who could be his dad from this other Earth, mm-hmm. who could be his actual dad. We don't know. Some stuff goes down I here. I don't know. Which is do crazy. You know? I actually don't know. I don't know. I uh, but there's no lots idea. of fun fighting. It's really, really, it's an awesome issue. Uh, a lot of back and forth. There's some really, there's a really great page of dimension hopping weirdness, which I was like, I need to see more of this universe because mm-hmm. that is crazy pants. Uh, but it's it's really great. Star-Lord, number three, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Chris Anka, color art by Matthew Wilson. Uh, Star-Lord has got a new job, and we love it because it's in the bar with no name. He's working as the bartender. He's knocking out Jigsaw on the first page. He's awesome. And as if the bar with no name couldn't get even more awesome, Diamond Head is one of the regulars. If any of you have listened to this podcast for an extensive period of time, you know how much we love Diamond Head, the greatest of all 1970s Nova villains. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's just Peter Quill chatting with these dudes in the bar, goes outside, gets into this awesome fight with Daredevil. Chris Anka draws the hell out of this fight with Daredevil. So many cool, innovative ways to use panels and directions and stuff like that. Uh, Daredevil gets on Peter Quill for saying he spoiled a or he foiled a bank robbery last issue, but the money has gone missing. We find out where it's gone missing. We get page upon page of Peter Quill just lounging around in his underwear. It was looking it, like gorgeous, like seventies short running yeah. shorts and it's, just, it's terrific it's great he's shimmering uh, his sister shows up for two pages and then pieces out again and he, i like how he just rolls right back into his normal life currently on earth uh he meets up with the uh, old guy who he's helping out as part of his court mandated uh rehabilitation uh he finds out what happened to the money he reports back to daredevil we get more diamond head and poor diamond head bad stuff happens to diamond head that, that makes me sad so this is another emotionally taxing issue <laughs> put it on the pile uh another fun issue u.s <laughs> avengers number three uh written by al ewing man al's books always have the the credits in weird places i know it's so frustrating uh damn it al <laughs> uh this is skullocracy part three written by al ewing art by paco medina with carlo barberi as well as juan vlasco carlo barberi jesus arbutov and andres mosa um this is sort of wrapping up the gold skull golden skull golden or skull, golden skull storyline he's captured billionaires and uh, replaced them with laser firing robots so to, to fight the U.S. Avengers. Hal just has the best big ideas. Oh, it's so great. Uh, U.S. Avengers, you know, they have their, they unite, they, they suit up to take down. There he uh, is. There's the second arcade reference yeah. of the week. Uh, they, You know, part of this is, is all arcadeness. Um, but they uh, they they figure out what's going on with the Golden Skull. They need help from Captain America 20XX, mm, who is Daniel Cage from 30 Years yeah. On. Just she's great. She's awesome. She gets in there. There's robot pirates. There's Golden Skull in a giant suit of golden armor with a dollar sign on his chest. I love that that turns out to be his downfall is that he had to get golden armor. Yeah, because gold is not that tough, guys. Yeah, I. 
I friggin' love this character. I hope Golden we, Skull, he's yeah, fantastic. I hope we keep seeing more of him. Definitely. Uh, it's great. There's lots of awesome stuff from the various members of the U.S. Avengers. Have you, got, have you passed the part where Cannonball and Squirrel Girl team up yet? Oh, my gosh. I did pass it. tremendous. There's a, yeah, I, you guys got to read that. Yep. Uh, but there's a really cool touching line in here where um, Roberto uh, Sunspot says to... Citizen V. Yeah, Citizen V, yeah. yes. Says to Captain America, I need to know, to Captain America 20XX... I need to know how you find the hope because she comes from this her time everybody's dead it's yeah. it's a wasteland, almost Terrible. a wasteland says it's tough and some days you can't but you do what you can do for the other people and they do what they can for you and together we keep going so good I love this book great book uh, Uncanny in Humans number 19 written by Charles Soule art by Kim Jacinto and Ario and Indito colors by Andres Massa this is Maximus on his quote unquote hero's journey uh, he's taken lineage he's taken the unspoken he's got Triton with him do you watch they, Game of Thrones? I used to alright never mind more. Um, they dive into basically the mouth of some giant sea creature. They go through their intestines. They find this gross-looking queen. I mean, objectively gross, subjectively gross-looking. Yeah. Uh, someone might find her very attractive, but to me, she looks like an evil sea creature. She uh, looks like um, a flesh version of the Sharktacons from mm, the Transformers 1986 good. movie. Very well done. Very well done. Um, something happens with the Unspoken. Unspoken, uh, horrible stuff happens to him. Uh, plan he and lineage had seems like it's not going to go so well these guys are on a wild goose chase uh, and then they get a new member of their gang and they've apparently got the ingredients to cook up some terrigen but something back beneath the south china sea has emerged that's going to play the uh, fly in their ointment if mm-hmm. you all right, last book of the week is Uncanny X-Men number 18. It's in Humans versus X-Men it's tie-in. Not the last book of the week. That's not the last book of the week, but it's my last book. Lie, cheer, uh, cheer, it focuses on Zorn, who is trying to keep the peace in New Adelon. He's got humans there. He's got mutants there. He's trying to, you know help all these people while the big war is going on and of course Jerkface Supreme Sebastian Shaw shows up oh Sebastian Shaw can never get enough of him and he makes a mess of things as he is wont to do finally we wrap up the week with Venom number 4 written by Mike Costa art by Gerardo Sandoval and Juan and Ramirez wait uh, sorry Uncanny X-Men written by Colin Bunn art by Edgar Salazar inks by Ed Tadeo colors by Rain Barreto because I did not give the credits fair enough fair enough jumping back into Venom inks by Victor Olazaba colors by Dono Sanchez Almara Uh, our new Venom has been hired by the Black Cat to be one of her new enforcers and she is teaming him up with Scorpion well guess what the Venom symbiote hates Scorpion, and the guy wearing the Venom symbiote isn't too fond of him either, so they do not get along too well. Scorpion, I love the way uh, Sandoval and possibly Ramirez, but definitely Sandoval draws Scorpion as just this giant, hulking, armored beast. I like that he recognizes the Venom symbiote. He remembers when he had it. He reflects back on it. Then we get a great hulked-out Venom versus Scorpion fight. Uh, it's drawn the hell out of it, and uh, it's 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 nuts. It's crazy. It's good stuff. Yeah. And that is what we have for you guys on sale this week. Hopefully you enjoyed all of it. Uh, we covered it in record time. I don't know. We, <laughs> it's still pretty long. Record long time. Oh, boy. Uh, we try our best, guys. Uh, collections on sale this week. Captain Marvel, Volume 3, Earth's Mightiest Hero. Deadpool and the Mercs for Money, Volume 1, Mo Mercs, Mo Monkey. Deadpool and Secret Defenders, Extraordinary X-Men Volume 3, Kingdom's Fall, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, New Guard Civil War 2, 
New Avengers by Bendis Complete Collection Volume 2, Runaways Volume 2, Teenage Wasteland, and Wolverine Prehistory. Yeah, digital comics on sale this week include the books we talked about, plus Doctor Strange, Punisher, Magic Bullets, number 8, Infinite Comic, and Slapstick Infinite Comic, number 5. Also on sale on the Marvel app this week, uh, we've got Fantastic Four First Family 1 through 6, Fantastic Four Foes 1 through 6, Kingpin 1 through 7 from 2003, and Secret Defenders 18 through 25. Collections on sale this week, Deadpool and the Mercs for Money Volume 1, Mo Mercs, Mo Monkey, Deadpool and Secret Defenders, Extraordinary X-Men Volume 3, Kingdom's Fall, Guardians of the Galaxy New Guard Volume 3, Civil War 2, Wolverine Prehistory, Iron Fist Masterworks Volume 2, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane Volume 4, Still Friends, Wolverine Not Dead Yet, Wolverine Soul Taker, and Young Allies. Yeah. Freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited, we've got A Year of Marvel's August Infinite Comic Number 1, A-Force Number 8, The Accused Number 1, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Number 8, All New All Different Avengers Number 13, and All New All Different Avengers Annual Number 1. All New X-Men number 12, Amazing Spider-Man number 16, Beauty and the Beast yeah, 1 through 4. Yeah, I you get excited about this. It's just a Dazzler Beast miniseries. Not, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you say just a Dazzler Beast miniseries? I'm sorry. It was, it's a Dazzler Sinkevich Beast miniseries. covers at least? I believe so. I believe yeah. so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Classic stuff. Hey. Sorry. Do not. Apologies. Yeah, okay. Uh, Black Panther number 5, Deadpool number 10. Daredevil number 10. That's what I said. Darth Vader, number 24. Deadpool and the Marks for Money, number two. Kazar, number two and three from the 1970 series. Uh. Old Man Logan, number 10. Scarlet Witch, number nine. Solo Avengers, five and 14 through 16. There's some Moon Dragon in there Ooh, I saw when I was adding that cool. today. Spider-Man Chapter 1, 0 through 12. Is that the yeah, Byrne stuff? The John Byrne stuff. Wow. It's all on Marvel Unlimited now. Spider-Man Fear Itself, number 1. Spider-Man 2099, number 13. Spider-Man Deadpool, number 8. And Vision, number 10. All right. So that's all the comics out this week. Let's invite some guests in here and talk about some news. And now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News! Alright, welcome to the news section of This Week in Marvel. I've got a brilliant panel with me this week. In addition to intern Nick, who's sitting over there. Hey. We've got editor Jake Thomas. Hello. Juilliard trained. Yep, that's not true. And form- NYU trained. <laughs> Sorry. And of course, the great former X-Force editor, Jordan D. White. Jordan, hello welcome there. back. Hello, hello. Not so, actually an X-Force editor. Guys, I know you're not, and I'm sorry that that happened to you. Ever, you but all X-Force right. X-Force in okay. your hands and well. it slipped through like water. Um, now, guys, I had you on last week, but for some reason the recording did not take. So your insistence was, if you were going to come back this week, you had to be on together. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Oh, we were we were working on a road show, the two of us. Yeah, yeah. We we have a, we have a whole routine prepared for you. Oh, great! Very excited for that. I lied. It's just like Jake didn't go to Julia, <laughs> and you apparently didn't ex- edit X Force. Anyway. This is a very this is news or lies, one of the two. Yeah. yeah, it's the hot new game show, news or lies. Ah, I like it. Well, Jordan, let's start with you. We announced last week the Star Wars Screaming Citadel crossover event. Mm-hmm. What uh, what details do you have to share with us? What is the Citadel? 
And why is it screaming? Well, it's screaming because it's in a lot of pain. Oh, no. No, no. It's just a, a – it's a very creepy castle. We're doing like a, a, a spooky castle story in the uh, in the Star Wars world. As uh, as Kieran Gillen described it, I think he's, he called it a gothic horror. Mm. Um, so, you know, you know the, the all the stories with a, with, a, with a spooky castle. You know what I'm talking about, Jake. I know. I love spooky castle movies. Well, this is one of those, except it's not a movie. It's a comic book. Jake, what's your favorite spooky castle movie? Oh, uh, The Innocence, mm. starring Deborah Kerr. Yeah, it's a great one. Big name. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll take your word it. for it. I haven't seen yeah. that one. I mean, it's 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 more of a large estate than the castle, but mm-hmm. I think it so. Counts. He's it's again more lies. More well, lies. yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we specifically said <laughs> Screaming Castle. How dare you? Yeah. yeah. Um. So so this uh this yeah basically uh Doctor Afro comes by uh to Luke Skywalker and says I can get you uh, hooked up with the Jedi uh, training stuff that you need, because I know secret stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, come with me to this screaming citadel. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't put it that way. And uh, he sure. goes along with her, but he, but that is where she takes him, mm-hmm. and uh, thus crazy adventures begin. And the rest of the, the Star Wars crew uh, comes after them, because they uh, don't trust her. So this will be a crossover between the main Star Wars book and Dr. Aphra. Absolutely. And both writers, Kieran Gillen and Jason Aaron, are, are on board uh, writing chapters of it. It's good that they're on board. <sighs> I don't mean with the concept. <laughs> I mean they're literally working on it. In fact, they're almost done with it. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really, really excited for it. Cool. And Jake, you've got some big news too. We've got the new Luke Cage series coming from yep. uh, writer David F. Walker and yep. his team. Screaming Luke Cage yeah. is what we're going. Screaming Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, is that his new thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just screams. He yeah. inherits the power of Angar the Screamer. Okay, oh, there you go. I was going to go Banshee, but you went more no, obscure. No, no, no. Yep, yep. Very nice. Um, no, it's just called Luke Cage. Oh, all right. Yeah, uh, uh, but it's going to be dynamite. It is David Walker uh, coming off of his Paramount and Iron Fist run. Uh, we're going to have him solo up on Luke Cage. It's going to be a little uh, different tone-wise, a little more um, serious, uh, a little harder-edged. Uh, it's going to have a, a bit of a, a mystery, noir-infused style to mm-hmm. it, which is pretty cool. Very cool. Um, and the story is essentially uh, Luke's uh, old sort of... Uh, um, I don't know what you would exactly call him. Father Not figure. exactly a father figure. That's yeah. a, a great term for You're it. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, good. Good on the assist. Yes. Uh, but uh, Doctor Burstein mm-hmm. um, is dead. We find out in the first issue. It's a shame. Indeed, it's a it's a, a shocking revelation. And uh, Luke is going to go down. Th- yeah. Again, mm-hmm. you could do some foley work as well. Uh, okay. Good. Uh, he's going to go down to New Orleans. Uh, where Burstein died yep. to pay his respects, but he will find out that all is not as it seems mm. down in the Big Easy, and uh, there will be some some uh, dark revelations, some crazy action. No uh, partying. Uh, no, no partying. No parades. No. That's, wow, that's no. unfortunate. Because they've canceled them because of how dire things are in yeah. the series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 real sad, but Luke went around and every party he knocked on the door and said, <laughs> "Wow, you guys cut it out." We're, yeah, we're this guys. Is, my father figure is dead. Yeah. <laughs> this is wholly inappropriate. No. But I think that's how they celebrate funerals down there with yeah. like swinging parties. Yeah, Jordan knows nothing about New Orleans. I don't know anything about it. So if it's a harder edge series, is he still going to say "Sweet Christmas" or is he just going to say like real hardcore swears? Uh, yeah, no, he's going to say uh, Sour Christmas. Oh, oh no! no. Yeah. 
changing it up. That's like you get coal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Christmas. Uh, no, we'll, we'll 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 still maybe throw on a, a catchphrase or two, but um, not not necessarily gonna make them earn way. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna earn exactly. It. Talk to me about the art team and about the covers. The art team, uh, we have Nelson Blake mm-hmm. on uh, art. Second. Nelson Blake the second. Yes. 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 Please. Um, he's doing fantastic work. This will be his first ongoing for us. Um, we're crazy excited to have him. He's been doing uh, covers for Miss Marvel recently mm-hmm. that have been dynamite. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pages he's turned in so far look great. Um, and then on covers, uh, we have Raza, who is one of my favorite cover artist we have working right now mm-hmm. uh I, I think he's amazing i had him do a cover for the punisher annual that was the background on my computer for months nice um oh. and uh, uh the stuff he's turning in is is just great it's it's his first ongoing book which i can't believe hmm. uh no one's uh swept that guy up until now so do, do us a do us a word picture of the first cover um it's an homage oh. uh, to the first uh, uh, Power Man number one, where he's mm-hmm. punching through the brick wall. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, in the first one, uh, we they've got uh, some of the old style guns that sure. it looks real like old style comicy. Uh, in this one, we've got it. Uh, we've updated the weaponry a little oh, bit. Oh, thank goodness! Oh. Yep, yep. And uh, uh, we've got him uh, sort of in his more sort of street hoodie look um but it's just it's done in raza's very painterly style Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. um just beautiful beautiful colors uh and then the the cover for number two uh is is just this amazing shot of um luke walking down an alleyway at a cantilever angle uh the shot is at a cantilever angle he's he's good at this word uh, uh, nyu education you know (laughs) coming through um uh, uh, just coming down an alleyway, looking looking hard as hell, and uh, the, his shirt's been shot up, and there's guys on the on the street that he's taking care of. It, it's a Dang. bad business, man. Yeah, sounds okay. good, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for both these. I'm excited for Screaming Citadel. Yeah. Which, when does that start? Uh, that starts in May, and and Luke Cage starts. In May. Wow. Well, I Did you, is this awkward? Did you guys know we're going to be battling it out yeah. for <laughs> top sales now? Yeah. Well. well you know what? I bet we'll beat Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Folks. What's the bet, man? Jake Thomas What's the bet, man? That he will beat Star Come Wars. At me. Civil War, sure. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet you a, a quarter. Oh, a quarter is on the of line. A million dollars. Yep. Let's <laughs> shake on it. <laughs> nope. What? Where's no, my there's shake? No, there's no shake shaking list. Well, guys, thank no you. shake, Jake. That's what they call me. <laughs> That's true. Thank That's you, true. Jake. Thank you, Jordan, for joining my us. My pleasure. And we will certainly have you guys back in the future to talk about more news. News. And now, welcome to this week in Marvel, our very special guest. Okay, guys, get ready for part one of our big Secret Empire chat starting now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to This Week in Marvel. Uh, Of course, last week we announced our big spring event, spring, summer, fall maybe. Who knows? It's a big event. It's called Secret Empire. We've got the writer, Nick Spencer, with us. Nick, how you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. And we've also got editor and a good friend of the show, Tom Brevoort. Tom, thanks for coming on again. Sure thing. So I guess the first question I wanted to ask you guys when it comes to Secret Empire is, this has been in the works for some time. What was the first time 
any iteration of what would eventually become Secret Empire was pitched and what did it look like then as opposed to what it looks like now? Uh, I first pitched uh, what later became Secret Empire back in February of 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, that was uh, we looked this up not too long ago just to see exactly how long ago it had been. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been quite a while in the making. It, it is kind of incredible when I went back and, and looked at, at those initial emails is how much it actually has survived. That, that a lot of the framework and, and a lot of what's the kind of, kind of exactly what, what we put down in, in those in those initial emails. So that's, I say it's, it's, it's a kind of fulfilling thing to, to have had a plan for that long and actually, and actually be able to see it through. Like that. It doesn't happen too often. Cool. Tom, anything to add? Um, again, pretty much what the, what Nick uh, said. You know, he he pitched, you know, the 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 gist of all of this. You know, pretty much at the point at which we were talking about bringing Steve back. So it was very early in the in the run, even of, of his run on the Sam Wilson Captain America book. It kind of is all folded together because it was all kind of part of the same plan. Uh, and in fact. Uh, you know, and Nick advocated to bring Steve back sooner than I would have. Like, I mm -hmm. my attention would have been to keep Sam as as the only cap for longer. Um, but you know, in doing the standoff event, um, that was time to coincide with Cap's seventy fifth. Uh, you know, Nick made the the fairly compelling argument that you know, for Cap seventy fifth, it'd be kind of nice if we had well Captain America. <laughs> uh, uh, and so, you know, all of these, you know, these plans, both the reveal, which clearly came out, you know, shortly thereafter in Steve number one, uh, and, you know, where that reveal went and how big it could get, uh, you know, and at that point, you know, when it was being pitched, it wasn't necessarily being pitched as being a, a line-wide event, although the possibility of it being a line-wide event, you know, was floated. But it was, you know, here's the enormous story that, that we're going to be doing with CAP, uh, and this could kind of be as big as we would need to and, and would want it to. And it's the sort of thing where, you know, as uh, as we brought more and more people into the loop on what we were talking about, you know, it became obvious that, uh, you know, it was a story that not only, uh, you know, could be a big event, but kind of had to be uh, in order for it to really, you know, have the, the weight and, and uh, uh, you know, really fulfill the promise of the, the idea of it. Um, so yeah, it's been you know it's been a long a long uh, a long time uh, getting here. So it's actually it's, it's just okay. to follow up on that. I mean, what was what was really funny uh, on my end is a big uh, Hydra agent uh, came because of uh, original plans on the book. You know, that we kind of seeded a story uh, where uh, the various teams and organizations in the Marvel uh, uh, had Hydra agents on them, and I had looked at that story and thought, oh, that, that's too big for me, that was clearly going to be an event, uh, so I should, I should, I should read <laughs> that thinking uh, that led to the Steve idea, which then ended up leading to an event, so, uh, clearly, <laughs> yep. uh, I wanted to talk about the actual, the, when you pitched specifically Steve as Hydra, what kind of conversation was that? Was that, were you anticipating some pushback? Was it easier than you thought? How did that go? You know, I remember being pretty nervous about even sending the very idea. I thought for sure uh, I was going to be shut down immediately. And, you know, to this day, I'm amazed. I'm, we've, we've seen 
you know, really enthusiastic about hearing more about the idea as soon as, uh, as soon as I sent it over. You know, I, I, I was just happy. I was just happy to have anything on paper at that point. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just anything, anything on paper. I was so happy. So. <laughs> yeah. We, it was. We, it was a win. We, it's a win-win. <laughs> you guys talked a little bit about how this was not originally an event. It was, you know, a story. And of course, that's how all our events start. They start out as stories that grow into become bigger events. When did this become an event, and why was it necessary for it to do so? Well, I think, I mean, I think it became an event. It was something that, at a certain point, you know, I kind of earmarked, and I had a conversation with Axel about, and I forget, I forget exactly when in the timeline that was. Um, I have to go back and, 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 you know, research and so forth, and especially since it was just a conversation, it's kind of tough to nail down. But just saying, hey, I, you know, we've got this thing going on in the cap book that could be, the next thing, because we're always kind of projecting out. We're further ahead than most people give us credit for, at least in the broad strokes of what's going on with the Marvel Universe. You know, that right now we're about to roll into Secret Empire, but we already have, uh, you know, have a map that goes beyond it to the next thing and the next thing after that. And it's, you know, the further out into the distance you get, the sketchier the notions come become, uh, and they tend to change and shift a little bit as they crystallize as you get closer to them. But so we're constantly looking, looking around and looking for story material that, you know, seems like it deserves to be and could be a thing that impacts on, on everybody. Uh, and the idea of, you know, Steve as a secret Hydra true believer who was going to try and bring about, uh, you know, a Hydra regime change, uh, you know, seemed like it had to be, a, you know, how could you not do that story as an event, because if he's going to do that, if he's going to act on it, if he's going to lead Hydra troops into, you know, uh, fights with S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Avengers or whomever, how are you not going to do that in such a way that it impacts on all the other characters and all the other books? Even the people that are just, you know, living, living, you know, in, in New Jersey somewhere, that's, that's going to have an impact on them. Uh, and, and the, uh, you know, again, the exciting part of it all is, you know, and what happens if, if he wins? What happens if he does this and Hydra does become a senator? Hydra does become uh, a force in, in the world and, and has, has land and has a nation. Uh, you know, what, is it, what does it do? How does that change things? Um, so, you know, again, the idea kind of, uh, uh, you know, at least the, the best exploration of the idea and the most interesting exploration of it necessitated uh, you know, it being something that was larger than just a story that was playing out in the Captain America books. Um, and I think, you know, again, we, we sort of knew that as far back as Standoff. You know, there's a, there's a reason this kicked off with, you know, uh, you know not a line-wide event, but an Avengers family event. Like, it was a big enough deal for us to put that kind of footprint, you know, on, on, on the, the rollout of it. So that you know, people, you know, the signal would be sent to the, the reader community that this is something of, of significance that's going on. And I don't think people completely understood that until Steve number one came out and, you know, the reveal was there on that last page and then absolutely everybody in the world went bad crazy. Nick, as the writer, um, how does your story growing into event kind of change things for you, particularly when it's your first event you're writing at Marvel. I'm really kind of curious to learn some of the lessons you've 
picked up while navigating these seas. Yeah, I mean, one of the luxuries that I have had on the series is the phase that we're moving into, you know, when we originally talked about it, I said, you know, this could be or probably should be an event. So it wasn't sort of, uh, you know, one of those stories where you have an arc for sure. the book and then it becomes an event or something like that. So I didn't have right. to size things up. You know, it was, it was it was one of the things where if we hadn't done an event, I would have had to. I would have had to make the changes. So, okay. uh, you know, so so on 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 my end, the 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 event is really just the next chapter. It's really just the the the, the logical progression of the story and where it has to go. So, for me, actually writing the event doesn't feel that much different than than writing an issue of Steve Rogers' Captain America. Basically. The cast and and uh, you know the, the, the sort of the scope and scale of it is bigger, but uh, really it's, it's it's just kind of the next chapter for me. It was all part of the game plan that we laid out way back when. So for me, at least, it's 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 been helpful to just it really is just the next phase of the same story. Cool. A big feature of Secret Empire that we've seen in the promotional materials is all the heroes kind of together as one, fighting a common threat. This is of course a little different from the last crossover event we had, which was Civil War II, where they're all going against each other. Why does the heroes being united and being together play a big role in this event? Well, you know, what I would say is, is, you know, I was interested in doing a story where the heroes were kind of pushed past their racing point, uh, you know, where they were really forced to face who I think is, as capable uh, and effective a villain as they ever come across. Because, uh, you know, one thing that we try to do when, when we did this to Steve is, is you don't take away his agency mm-hmm. away how great you know, he is. Um, you, know, you know, it was important to me that Steve remain as effective and capable uh, as he was as on the South. You know, that, that it was really important to me that when uh, Steve had his reality rewritten to be a Hydra agent, that he didn't suddenly become less effective, uh, you know, that he didn't become, you know, easier to defeat by, uh, you know, by virtue of that alone. So uh, in that sense, you know, Steve really is uh, one of the toughest villains uh, that the Marvel Universe has ever faced in the same way that, that Steve was one of the strongest heroes. Uh, that the Marvel Universe had. So, um, once you have that, really, it, 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 it becomes a, a fairly straightforward heroes versus uh, incredibly uh, effective and uh, intelligent uh, villain stories. So, it, it, it takes on kind of a different shape than some of our most recent events. What do you say to that, Tom? You've you've done crossovers both ways with the heroes kind of splintered, with the heroes all together. What kind of different feel does an event have when you got all the heroes rallying together against a single foe? Well, it's uh, you know like every like anything, it's uh, you know it's the swing of the pendulum. Mm-hmm. It's it's the uh, the pull the elasticity of the rubber band. Like you pull things to a certain point and then you pull them back the other way. Um, you know, any time that you do a series of stories that are about the characters and their relationships being fractured or strained or, you know, pulled to extreme, you know, you get to a moment where you put them up into a situation where there's a compelling need for them to, you know, find a way to come back together and to heal those divides or, or not fail to do so and then have, have terrible things happen as a result. 
Um, and so, in a sense, uh, you know, Civil War II kind of sets the stage for uh, you know what we're what we're doing here. You know, beyond just the stuff that happened in that that storyline, both the the future visions that we saw of of Steve and Hydra being ascendant and uh, you know the the stuff that uh, Miles Morales saw about uh, what may or may not happen in in his future uh, and and the you know the the behind the scenes uh, you know shenanigans that that Steve uh, was involved in with uh, you know involving both uh, you know Tony and Carol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even again, even beyond that, you know, that storyline sets the stage by setting the tone and tenor of the Marvel universe, moving into into this story, and that you know, on a on a very real level, um, it's not that Steve made Civil War II happen, but he certainly took advantage of it to move his own agenda and aims you know, further ahead. Um, you know, which leaves us with a Marvel universe that's slightly less together and slightly more fractured, and uh, you know that's a component of his plan and of Hydra's plan. You know, that makes it a lot easier for them to accomplish what they want to accomplish and do what they have to do. And so, in order to to uh, to face up and face off against that, you know, the the heroes of the Marvel universe need to come together again and need to present a united front. Uh, you know, and and to uh, you know reach across those divides and and you know find their ways back to one another, uh, in order to to deal with the threat that's at hand. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I was. I no, yeah, I mean, I think that a big part of our story is really uh, the heroes healing those divisions and finding those past them and kind of confronting a lot of their past ghosts and a lot of their past regrets and uh, you know kind of figuring out how to be heroes again, uh, you know, after they've been uh, tested like this. So uh, we, we tried to make, uh, you know, the previous events and some of the previous happenings in the Marvel Universe, we tried to make them very much the context for this event, that they, they really are the foundation, just like Tom's talking about with Civil War II, that, uh, you know, the, 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 those things really do end up feeding and informing the story in a pretty fundamental way. That was part one of our Secret Empire chat with Nick Spencer and Tom Brevoort. Be sure to tune in next week for the exciting conclusion. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Yeah. Hello, Marvelites. This is Marvel.com assistant editor Christine Din. Mark Strom is out on holiday in the East Coast, so it'll just be you and me for a very intimate couple of minutes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still congested, um, but we have a jam-packed week, so let's get right into it, things. Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange is now available on digital HD, and in about 10 days, you can own it on Blu-ray, 3D Blu-ray, DVD, and all that jazz. There's tons of special features, namely a hilarious clip that you may have caught this week, one of the bonus features is part two of Team Thor. My favorite genre, of course, is um, superheroes when they're not saving the world. It's kind of what they do on their downtime. So we see our favorite Asgardian god with his amazing roommate, Daryl, who's trying to explain to Thor the concept of like things that us earthly humans have to deal with. Money, like paying rent, responsibilities, like getting a job. And Thor's just not having any of it. 
But, you know, we can't fault him. You know, he's obviously covered in brain muscles. Head over to our YouTube social, marvel.com. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I can't wait for Ragnarok. But let's talk about something super special. Avengers Affinity War. So last Friday, Robert Downey Jr., a.k.a. Tony Stark, Iron Man, hosted a Facebook Live on set to answer all your burning fan questions. Guests included the Russo brothers. His cameraman turned out to be none other than Tom Holland. And we also get a glimpse of Chris Pratt. Safe to say, Tom Holland will be reprising his role as Peter Parker, Spider-Man on Avengers Infinity War. And there will be some, you know, Avengers Guardians of the Galaxy team-up action. And, you know, Marvel Studios shortly after that released the first featurette for Avengers Infinity War. If you head over to Marvel.com, I shared 15 things I learned about Avengers Infinity War. But to give you guys the Cliff Notes version, there was some incredible behind-the-scenes photos from the first Iron Man in 2008 through Captain America Civil War. And I don't know about you guys, but I was totally hit with like a wave of nostalgia remembering in back in 2008, sitting in the theater with my friends, you know, not knowing what to expect from Iron Man and just kind of not knowing the magnitude of how Marvel will play in my life for the next decade to come. And you can't, you also get that notion from Robert Downey Jr., as he shared who he was in that first film and who he will be in Avengers Infinity Wars. What we know of to date is Thanos will be the most frightening villain the Avengers will ever face. Uh, Cap is still on Tony's S list and they are a team with no members so they'll be unprepared and May 4th, 2018 is gonna be insane. Loosely related, we just, uh, to film, we just announced a Marvel event, Summer of Heroes, happening at Disney California Adventure Park. Of course, we'll see the grand opening of the new attraction, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, on May 27th. Head over to Marvel.com where I covered things I learned during an intimate private tour of, of the attraction last month. So the Summer of Heroes is a limited time event. It'll include new experiences like Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome dance-off and Avengers training initiatives for the young ones where I believe it's Black Widow teaching, recruiting young kids on how to join the Avengers. You'll have superhero encounters, including the first Avenger, Captain America, everybody's favorite web slinger, Spider-Man, and of course, for a limited time, Black Widow, and so much more. So head over to Southern California, May 27th through September 10th. So now let's end things with TV. We had a perfect Valentine's Day episode for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. If you, if there are any Felinda listeners listening, this episode was totally for you. There was tons of flashbacks to a young B.B. Coulson and a young B.B. May that was full of adorable banter and tons of tension. So yeah, just watch it. It was, it was totally fun live tweeting about it. There's a new This Week in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where Strom talks to story editor, writer Matt Owens about this week's episode and more. Um, it's a really fascinating episode, especially learning about Matt's Marvel TV career trajectory. So give it a listen and don't miss a new explosive episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. next Tuesday at 10 p.m. on ABC where we see the fallout of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s LMD infiltration. Something cool is that this episode was written and directed by Jed Whedon. It's his directorial debut. All around good news. We also, that was not the only episode we had this week. We had a new episode of Legion, FX, and Marvel's new original series. Chapters 2 saw a lot more of David's memories and, you know, a romance of the minds between Sid and David. Head over to Marvel.com. We have a future writ about Summerland, which is the safe haven for mutants. And tune in next Wednesday at 10 p.m. on FX for Chapter 3. Lastly, casting news for two of our upcoming projects. 
For Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, we have some new additions to our project with Freeform. Andrea Roth will portray Melissa Bow and Tandy's mom. And as for Tyrone's parents, Gloria uh, Rubel will play Adina Johnson and Miles Musidin will star as Michael Johnson. I'm sorry, messing up people's last names. Uh, so, oh, maybe it's better if you guys just read it so you don't have to hear all my pronunciations. Liam will be played by Carl Luntzett, who is the townie who operates as Tandy's partner in crime while moonlighting as her boyfriend. And then we have Dr. Bernard Sandro, portrayed by James Sato, who plays, you know, an emotional cornerstone in Tyrone's life. And J.D. Evermore will take part as Detective Connors. Lastly, Marvel TV announced a huge casting group for The Pride, aka the parental units for Marvel's Runaways, our upcoming project with Hulu. For Alex Walder's parents, we have Ryan Sands as Jeffrey and Angel Parker as Catherine. Nico Maru's parents, we have Brittany Yushibashi as Tina and James Yagashi as Robert. Gert York's parents, we have Kevin Weissman as Dale and Bridget Brownard as Stacy. Carolina Dean's parents, Annie Wershing will play Leslie Dean and Kit Purdue will play We'll play Frank Dean. And lastly, Chase Stein's parents, James Marsters, for all you Buffy fans, will be playing Victor Stein, and Ever Carradine will play his mom, Janice, uh, Chase's mom's Janice Stein. And yeah, I think I cruised through a lot of things. So that's all I got for you guys. Um, time to throw it back to the fellows in New York where they answer your questions and comments. And I will talk to you guys next week, hopefully not congested. Whoa, Nelly, what a ride. Wow, we what a are ride. back. This I can't a, believe the stuff we've talked about so far. I know. This is this is an episode. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sticking with us. If you're through with all this, it's time for questions and comments. Questions and comments. We're questions. taking them. Oh, there's actual. There's yeah, there's a song. Uh, we're going to take these from you using the hashtag This Week in Marvel on Twitter, as well as from our email, which is twimpodcast at marvel.com. We've go. got a bunch. Let's dive in. Anthony Delecchian says, hey, quick question. Why change the digital downloads in each comic? I loved having a digital version of the book I bought. I can only get three books I already have. Will this go back to normal? Please make it so. Love your work, guys. Um, so this is a decision that came from yeah. publishing. Yeah, um, it's not our call. Uh, but we support it. We want you guys checking out, you know, the those collected editions and those, you know, change from week to week. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, we want you going to your local comic shop and picking up uh, those trades. Hopefully, you don't have those issues, and it, it opens you up to new stories. Yeah. So yeah, if that, if anything changes, we'll let you know. Um, yeah. But that's keep, what we got. Keep speaking your mind, and uh, hopefully, you guys will enjoy. Yes. Anthony Palmieri says, "I am excited to hear about more interviews with creators coming our way." You read my mind. Thank you. You mentioned an interview podcast on Tuesdays. Where might I find this? I feel like I am missing a ton. Gotta get on it. Um, Anthony, so if you are listening to, if you're subscribing to the show uh, through iTunes or whatever your podcast feed, you should be able to. It it's on the same, it's so the same feed. Yeah, to get yeah. technical, it's just it's an RSS feed. So yeah, <laughs> we publish them uh, into this feed so that it automatically, when a new episode comes and we do all our parts correctly, we push it out, and so it goes into the same thing. So if you subscribe to the podcast, you should be getting two episodes of This Week in Marvel every week, one on Tuesday and one on Thursday, or now Friday-ish, Yeah, whenever it comes out, right? So one's a shorter interview piece, 
that is mostly with celebrities or people from our movies or what have you. The other one is, uh, you know, the longer episode that yeah. you're listening to right now. But if you are on SoundCloud and checking us out there, we there's two way, We sort of put all our podcasts into SoundCloud and it fills into one bucket of the channel. Mm. We have a playlist that is for just the Tuesday Shorter Interview Show, which we call them This Week in Marvel Mini. And then we have the regular episodes as part of the regular uh, playlist. And you can find all that at soundcloud.com slash Marvel. Good job. Yeah. Nice, nice summing it up. And I'm glad to hear, Anthony, that you're excited about more interviews because we're excited to do them. Yeah. All right. Uh, Easton Baldwin, paper clips and thumb drives are my new favorite weapon. Or Easton is your name. Are you Bullseye? Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, John Morrissey yeah. says my twim of the week for January 18th Global Calamity juxtaposed with quiet moments essential to the plot in Monsters Unleashed number one? Question mark? I think there's a question mark. Yeah. Uh, yes? Oh, he's trying to say he does. he's not sure what his twim of the week is. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Global Calamity. Yeah. I, I get you. I feel there you. you. There I you feel go. you, John. I feel you, boo. Um, he continues as. Is or is it Amanda Strong telling off Mr. Lynch and the masterful masterful journey to the name Ironheart in Invincible Iron Man number three, or perhaps his twin of the week is Anna Maria Marconi telling the Jackal that she's already perfect in yeah. the conspiracy number four. Like he says no. Nostalgia wins. His twim of the week is the gut wrenching conversation between Peter and Gwen in Amazing Spidey twenty three. Great choices, and he says his cover of the week for January twenty fifth. Daredevil and Bullseye playing hide-and-go-seek in a bullet forest by Dan Panosian on Daredevil 16. Dan Panosian, highly underrated artist. Dude, so good. Really, really So good. good. Really and, good. like, if you look back at his old-school art, mm-hmm. like, he was he had, he had was good, but, like, now he's, like... He's really refined it. So good. Absolutely. Yeah. Joshua Cooper, I'm sure the reason Lunella is the smartest in the universe is because Valeria Richards isn't in the universe right now. Oh! Bum, bum, bum. Some shade from Just Joshua Cooper. Down. Um, we're we're only reviewing seven books. That's a quote of That's mine. That's a quote of yours. Gets to Unstoppable Wasp number two. These rules are stupid because Nadia says so. <laughs> I like talking about that book. Yeah, it's for real sure. good. Uh, Nadia's science fact: Unstoppable Wasp always gets reviewed. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Cover of Power Man and Iron Fist number 13 is my cover of the week. Love the shot of Luke punching through the front of Alias Investigations. Mm-hmm. The page in Miss Marvel 15 with Mike and Nakia in the cafeteria is so awesome and so needed right now. Thanks, G. Willow Wilson. I'm glad you dug that because I, I really dug that scene. And then I, I saw a Twitter conversation like someone being like, this is why Marvel is failing. And oh. it was just like... Are we failing? No. Oh, also... Let me know if we are. I, I, I will give, let you know. Give me a heads up. Sure. But it was just we'll like... find out from Then you just read this thread of just people like mm. who... Ugh, Yuck. Never mind. Gross. Uh, is it just me or does the detective in Jessica Jones number five look a lot like Giancarlo Esposito? Uh, uh, um, yeah. I'm not sure who that is. Oh, you don't know who Giancarlo Esposito is? He was in uh, Breaking Bad. He was on Community. Which character in Community? Uh, he was uh, Chevy Chase's brother on Community. Mm, I, just, I can't remember. Yeah. All right. He's an actor. Great. Um, <laughs> don't know if it looks like him or not. Also, the suspect in jo- Jessica Jones number five looks a lot like Josh Gad. I don't. You know Josh Gad. Yeah, yeah. No Josh Gad. I don't really see it that much. No. Right. But hey. Hey, it's each their own. Cool. 
Sorry, Jessica Jones guy. Stark doesn't know. T'Challa knows. Reed knows. And I think Doom knows. And you, the lucky one. Yeah, that that whole scene, Ooh, like, disturbing. so, oh, it's intense. Hey, Marvel, sign me up for more post-Secret War tie-ins with Brian Michael Bendis like Jessica Jones. Hashtag Mr. the Richards. We all miss the Richards. Richards. Yeah. But you know what? Eventually they'll come back, yeah, and it's going to be awesome. They always do. Gonna be great. Yeah. Raph A B says Darth Maul didn't die at the end of Phantom Menace. He came back in the Star Wars cartoons. Who said he died at the end of Phantom Menace? Probably well, me. Prob- probably me, actually. Yeah. That sounds like it doesn't I matter. I, so thank you, Raph, for letting us know. Yeah. I've only seen the movies, not the cartoons. So I've seen some of the cartoons. Yeah. I, I know he's there though. Yeah. And he says there was a Serge Gainsbourg song in the first episode of Legion. Nice to hear classic French singers on American shows. Absolutely. You know, that's what I that's what I always <laughs> say for years. For years I'm like for I years. wish I wish there finally. were more classic French singers on American shows. But finally we're getting to that point. We're here. doing it. Here in 2017 it's real. Yeah. Uh, Robert Captain Rogers 44 says Hawkeye number 3 is getting my pick this week so much shenanigans and evil coat cult tropes so want to cross over with Ghost Rider. Ooh, that would be fun. Heck Hawkeye yeah. and Ghost Rider. Let's make that happen. Yeah. Simon Williams says, look what I got today. Finally broke down and bought it after the way you guys talked about it yeah. on this week. Yeah. Loot Crate. Marvel gear and goods. Simon, I am job, legit going to share that with our pals at Loot Crate. I'm be so excited. That makes us happy. Yeah. Um, Simon continues says, another uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 TV spot in Gamora still hasn't had a single mm-hmm. line. And ho- it's, I'm hoping it's because it's to avoid spoilers. Just you wait till she talks, man. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. I will – I'm 99% sure James Gunn has talked about how important Gamora mm-hmm. and her relationship particularly with Nebula is to the film. So important. And, yes, I, I will tell you, Simon – do not worry about it. Yeah. And secret, I'm getting to see the movie next week. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Congratulations. Thanks. See you I'll, guys. I'll be here. Bye. Uh, Simon says, you seriously want all my money, don't you, Marvel? And it's a little link to the uh, upcoming Luke Cage ongoing yeah. series. David F. Walker. David F. Walker. David F. Walker. And, uh, Nelson Blake, the second new artist. Nice. That cover is by Raza. Oh, Raza's awesome. fantastic. Raza's great. It's going to be doing Hell all yeah, yeah. This is their first uh, regular cover gig. That's They're great. Be doing all the Luke Cage covers. That's terrific. Yeah. Tomb of the Week for 2-1 for Simon is Unstoppable Wasp number 2. Nadia is just a ray of sunshine that we need right now. Absolutely. And he says, while reading it, I agree with Nadia. Sometimes thinking is best done without pants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tony Stark would probably feel the same way. Oh, for sure. You know for what? Sure. Most things Most better to do without pants. Pants. Yep. pants are constrictive. Yep. Uh, reading Champions number five, he says, I wish Kamala hadn't told the team not to punch anyone. Some of those people deserved mm. it. Kamala's better than us. You got to remember that. Way better. She is going to take that high road. She's a true hero. Yeah. He says, all through Champions number five, I was wondering where was Miles? Unless the story takes place while he's off in another dimension looking for his dad making out with Spider-Gwen. Could be. Sure. Sure. That, yeah. that, that tracks. But, you know, and I, I think it's one of those things where, like, the team can have people come in and out as yeah, they need absolutely. to. Uh, he says, I don't know much about Gwenpool, but she was kind of annoying in Champions number five. Is she like this in her solo comic? She is delightful delightful in her solo comic. Yeah. Uh, the whole point of her being in Champions was she was supposed to be annoying. She was supposed to annoy the yeah, team. Yeah. Uh, she was an irritant uh, when contrasted up to the more kind of traditional heroes of the champions but uh you should check out her solo book it's pretty yeah, great seriously it is it's fantastic uh tomb of the week for february 8th power man and iron fist number 13 fiddle faddle keeps getting worse for mm-hmm. luke and danny 
Jessica Jones number five was one of the creepiest things I've ever read, almost as creepy as the Netflix series. Mm. Almost. Squirrel Girl number 17 was good, but it was kind of hard not to see that re- reveal coming from a mile away. Good will, for you. Well, I will say, I don't fully disagree, but I don't think that's necessarily, like, the worst thing. Like, feeling like you know where it's going doesn't shouldn't always take away from the fact that the the story that they're telling is good and i think that villain is probably going to have a, a really cool mm-hmm. bit of business to come ahead and then last he says reading uh totally awesome hulk number 16 see amadeus this is why you're not leader of the champions and maddie wants nothing to do with you oh burn mm. all right we got emails we got them emails we get them emails all right i'm not this, we'll get to yeah, who, we get to the, so the pronunciation email comes yeah. in in the first paragraph. Okay, so it says, "Hi Ryan and Ben. First of all, I'm sorry that I forgot to include the romanization of my name in my last email. My name, which is a bunch of uh, characters, pronounces as Xiao Cha Zai Tang. Also, I'm a girl, so please address me as a female." Done. Will do. I want to say that I really admire your passion on your job and thank you for a great podcast. I got excited when Ben mentioned episode number 274, the Daredevil asked the question, if God exists, why does he allow humans to suffer? I had the same question years ago, and I think I found a compelling answer. Basically, it was because under Satan's influence, Adam and Eve disobeyed God's commandment, and by doing so, challenged God's sovereignty. God, being a lover of justice, has allowed men to rule for long enough to demonstrate that no effort to rule without him benefits people. Here's an article that explains this point better. So pretty deep, heavy stuff from uh, Zhao Cha. Zaitang, sorry. Uh, my question is, did Daryl find out a satisfying answer? Has questions like this been asked in Marvel Comics before? If so, what answer was given out? It's been uh, explored in Daredevil before. They uh, go into the Daredevil being Catholic is a huge part of his uh, character. And there's other, you know, other Marvel characters who Judaism is a huge part of their character. There are other characters who, you know, various religions are a huge part. Look at Kamala Khan now. Yeah, um, or you look at you know Moon Knight, and especially looking yep. at his uh, his upbringing, you know his father. Mm-hmm. I think his father was his father a rabbi. I think so. Um, I believe so. I think you know different characters have different levels yeah. of religious connection. But religion is definitely not something we're afraid to tackle in Marvel Comics. You know, it's a big important issue, and uh, I like that Daredevil is exploring it. I really like that the priest character they've introduced, both because he's a cool character, but also because he gives the opportunity to have discussions like the one you just had. And kudos for your well thought out and uh, well stated answer yeah and so was there an answer given given out i don't no, know is i don't think so i think it's I, still ongoing and i think that's part of the point like i don't yeah. know i think for these characters though it's not like a finality there's right. not you know all those answers there's more to it and that's part of yeah. the mystery Absolutely. dakota morgan uh emails us say hey guys love the podcast but big fan of inhumans here so where do i sign up for even a tiny part of the upcoming show again thanks for the great podcast well the sign up sheet is being <laughs> passed around currently uh dakota i i don't i don't know if they're gonna be like how they cast like extras and stuff like that but if, um, if we find out or where they're filming yeah, it i mean no, i know where they're yeah, filming this but i say. yeah i can't really talk about it too much yet so um, stay tuned. Hopefully you can make it work. Michael Tanaka says, do you know what happened to that this week in Marvel's agents of shield podcast? It has not updated in weeks. We have an explanation from none other than Strami yeah. who says we experienced a couple of scheduling snafus in a row, but we're back up and running posted a new one last week. 
already recorded this week's and doing the next two Friday. So he's got more lined up for you. Yep. If you want, you can also, again, listen to all these episodes on at marvel.com or at soundcloud.com slash marvel or search for it in your um, uh, podcast feed of, you know, place of choice, yep. iTunes, wherever. I use Pocket Cast. Podcatcher. You can easily... Is that a thing? I think so. Okay. I know I just made it up. Sure. Um, wherever you want to get them. Blue Jeans. Blue, nope. Blue that's Jeans a, conference call. Yeah, that's a conference call thing. Yep. Still uh, pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and kudos to Alex Lopez for getting that answer from Stromy because that I'm was assuming me. that's what happened. Oh, never mind. Yep, I emailed Stromy. Screw you, Lopez. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan, for bringing us all the knowledge. Yep. Uh, Giampiero, Giampiero de Siantes says, New Warriors was a fun read. Mark Bagley really has those Kirby dots down. The last time I saw Firestar was when mm. I was watching Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends cartoon. Yeah. Where, where was the last time we saw her in current books? Amazing X-Men. Amazing, amazing X-Men. Remember when Jason Aaron and Ed McGuinness had that arc oh, where Nightcrawler yeah. comes back and Firestar joined the X-Men for like that a second. That was crazy. I wish they would leave her on the X-Men. Yeah. I think she has a good place. There. And there was also the uh, Deadpool, was it an annual Oh Although, yeah, that was the last place we saw. That was the last, and that was old time. Like yeah. we talked about that, that a couple months crazy. ago. There's a great book. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, Deadpool. It might be called Deadpool's Amazing Friends or something like that. I think it's uh, a Deadpool Annual. Yeah, it's really great. Semi annual something. Yep. All right, from James Lawrence Radloff. Uh, Jim Radloff. Yeah, Jim Classic, Radloff. Yeah, we know him. Classic member of the Twin Universe. Yep. Hey guys, I'm catching up on the podcast, and I heard at the end of the two three episode that you knew it would be released late. How late was it? Don't remember. Um, I asked because my iTunes account didn't download it until 2.11 over a week later. So I'm trying to figure out if my iTunes is messed up. That could have been one where we had some some problems with the publishing mm-hmm. on our side. Um, but it shouldn't have been that late. Mm. That's a, that's yeah, a that's, weird that's, one. That's weird. But we're trying to – we're really <laughs> trying to lock that down. Yeah, we'll get it taken care of. Yeah. Mark our words. Uh, also, I wanted to give props for the new three-pick system. The other books seem to still get good coverage, but special attention to some titles is nice. Thank you, Jim. Really glad you guys enjoy it. Um, Jim, especially, thank you for saying that. And finally, I wanted to share the accidental humor I got out of the 2-3 episode when Ryan was talking about a video game where a guy dresses like a rodent in a city that isn't New York. My mind went to Mickey Mouse, and now I want Future Fight to add the X-Men and Mickey Mouse. And I need to know what the hell I was talking about. I know you're, what you're talking about. What was I talking about? Some, a flying rodent. Oh, yeah. yeah, that guy. There you go. I know him. Yeah, I'm go. I'm familiar. Yeah, thank nice you. Job. The flying part was what I missed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he put it in here. Uh, that's okay. Thank yeah. you, Jim. Uh, appreciate the email and um, yeah, thank you everybody for Thanks, listening. Everybody. And uh, I know this was a long one, but I hope it was a good be one, long, man. Yeah, We're that's what she said. On inf- <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> We're packing a lot of information into these. If they're getting too long, you guys, of course. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we will try to cut it down, but I think you know we're trying to find different ways, find our way with this podcast. We've been doing it for years now, and we're still ever evolving it, and we'll see what works. Yeah. All right. Uh, next week is Twim URC with the West Coast. West Coast Twim URC. Less work for us. Yeah, I'll there. be at Toy Fair um, and going to see Guardians of the Galaxy that you guys can't see. Yep. So cool, 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 cool. This is Marvel, your universe. Thank you.